and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Um, I'm doing great. Whoa. Uh, I mean, I'm not, seriously. Right, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, because you know that. But I'm doing great for the purposes of this episode, okay. because we're going to be talking about uh, our experiences, uh, mostly my experiences, because I was there longer, at uh, San Diego Comic-Con International 2013, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was one of, the, one of my favorite Comic-Cons since I've been going. It was a good time for me as well, and we'll get uh, we'll get into the specifics of that in a moment. But first, you know what? Here's the thing: I'm kind of I'm feeling up because of what we're going to be talking about. Right. But I'm feeling kind of down because of what we are now what we have to talking talk. about, yeah. uh, which is the death of Dennis Farina. Yeah, which uh, he was he was uh, 69 years old, so he was not uh, necessarily a young man. But uh, I I have been a big fan of him. He is mm-hmm. a pardon me. He was. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, I'm. I feel like a comedic genius. I don't know <laughs> if I'd go that far, but there's something really special about Ray Bones, and I do not recall the character's name in Midnight Run. But no, yeah, I don't remember that either. And cousin Abby in Snatch. I know you're not a huge fan of Snatch. I'm not a huge fan of it myself. It's but a he's very watchable good. movie. And yeah, he's, yeah, he's funny. And also, just like, you know, the 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 nice little montage of Abby traveling from uh-huh. new york to to london and it's just it's just you know pop 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 yeah. and then it, and then it comes to avi and he's like shut up and sit down you big bald fuck <laughs> and just like it's like his cadence it's like they i feel like they matched the montage to his cadence uh-huh. uh and it's what i always uh, think living in los angeles uh multiple times a month i'll say I'll be out at night at a, or outside at a certain time of day, and I'll sunset think, perhaps. I'll think, you know, I hear the fucking smog is the fucking reason we have such fucking beautiful fucking sunsets. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're we're probably going to focus in primarily on Get Shorty. Uh, he's he's well, wonderful. I'm not uh, familiar enough with Midnight Run. I remember enjoying him and thinking he's hilarious. Well, one thing I very much want to mention, uh, one, a very recent thing, um, uh, was HBO's Luck, which I don't think you've watched I've yet. Not- um, and get which got you know much like Dennis Frina got taken from us uh, way too soon. Indeed. I mean, if it's if it comes down between saving the lives of horses and getting to watch a TV show I like, I'm going to choose the horses. But uh, it is we could meet in the middle and not have so many damn race scenes. <laughs> that I remember that's what uh, Jason Eakin said. Uh, but you know, I, I, then it wouldn't be the show. I suppose. Um, I don't want David Milch to compromise his vision, and if that means that he has to shut down the show in order to save the lives of horses, then I'm with him. Although I, I, I know this isn't what we're talking about, right? Although but, I did read a. Uh, don't get me wrong. I I'm I'm on board with uh, with a Richard Donner who wouldn't even hurt a, a goldfish right. when he made the omen. But um, but I did read an, a very interesting article that says that the horses that died while shooting luck, they. Like, they didn't die. Like, there were no more deaths than normal in the world of horse racing. The fact that there were cameras on it is what was, adds I, I that other actually, element. Um, the uh, the uh, precautions were actually more. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is that um, to be on the show, they need racehorses, and racehorses who are young and healthy aren't mm-hmm. on TV shows. They're racing. So these right. were horses that were maybe a little bit past their prime, who were already had already been put through quite a bit in their racing careers, yeah, um, and uh, were probably a little, you know, 
primed for uh yeah uh for for accidents or illnesses um and i think there were just a, also just a number of bad breaks probably you, yeah. you know um that just didn't mean that as a pun you know but uh a few things just went the wrong way with some horses and uh i, th- I still think hbo made the right decision mm-hmm. but uh man the show was really great anyway okay dennis on, frina so, yeah. was on it mm-hmm. um and not, you know, as a, uh, uh, there's, it's a David Mills show, so obviously there's a lot of funny stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the, most of the humor came from Dennis Trina's character's wardrobe, wardrobe choices, okay. which he wore sort of like goofy, like sweaters. Like there was, there's one that like, it, it's like a knit sweater that looks like it has a big pretzel on it. Like <laughs> he, it looks so, and it's sort of, you know part of his character is he's like the sort of right-hand man to and and con- consigliere i guess to dustin hoffman's character and it's a, has a very nurturing and gentle presence on the show hmm. and then in the final i think I want to say the final episode you're like you, there's a reminder that like oh yeah this guy's a gangster because he also he protects dustin hoffman someone tries to kill dustin hoffman in the final episode dennis frina um sees what's going to happen, follows the guy into the bathroom, fights with him, and then murders him. Hmm. And it's a brutal scene. It takes a lot out of him because he's in his 60s. But also, he plays this, like, he's still that, like, nice, warm guy, and he doesn't like that he has to do this, but it's, like, part of the job. Yeah. It's a great uh, great physical performance. Uh, You know, you were talking about his cadence, but also... uh, there's a lot of physicality to to his presence and, and very, very much so um he and that's some of that i mean it is well known that he spent a good portion of his life as a cop in chicago yeah um and so and, and i'm sure there's a physical aspect to that as well and that he did seem to bring to his roles even even just the way that he stood as Ray Bones, mm-hmm. just the way that he would stand and just kind of like shake his head and kind of wiggle a little bit and all uh-huh. that. And just, um, yeah, they're just, and, and people at the time, I believe they made jokes about like, Oh, he was always a cop or a, or a criminal and just didn't have a great deal of range. And part of me is like, and that we could probably devote a whole episode to this at some point. Just the whole thing about like, I ah, only ever played himself. Like first off, that's incredibly hard to do. And also did you, it's not about, what what things what is he layering on to the to the character? It's not about that. It's did you believe that he was feeling the things that he was feeling? Yeah, and the my, answer is always yes. My thing, I feel like I, I feel like I was just saying this recently, so this might have been on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But when someone complains that an actor is always playing themselves, what I wanted to say to them is like, yeah, I'll bet the actors that you like do that too. You just like them more. Yeah, that's you know, true. if you're complaining that Michael Sarah is always playing himself, it's maybe because you just don't like the Michael Sarah persona, but. Like that's, but Jesse that, Eisenberg, <laughs> right? But that's the problem. Not, not, the problem is not that he's always playing variations of himself because most great actors are doing that. As we talked about, maybe this is when this came up when we talked about the Harry Dean Stanton documentary that I saw mm. at uh, at LA Film Fest, and his number one advice to actors is to always play yourself. Yeah, and it's it might be a different variation on yourself, but eventually mm-hmm. you're going to go back to yourself at some point, at least emotionally, and which is why I only saw a handful of episodes of Law and Order, in which uh, Dennis Freeney was on. He was on for two years as one of the detectives. Mm-hmm. And in this, you know, it, Law and Order was not a stylized show. And he just played this, uh, played it very straightforward. Mm-hmm. And just, 
clearly maybe more so than anything else that he had ever done, like was really tapping into who he used to be as a person. And just, uh, so yeah, uh, I know we need to move on. So I will just say that, uh, he's somebody that you and I both enjoyed quite a bit and, and listeners, also the, you, um, uh, the second get shorty cast member to die in recent, uh, recent I know weeks. What's going as on? I didn't even occur to that until, uh, that didn't occur to me until my, friend sean whom i used to do previously on with Mm -hmm. uh pointed it out and we decided we should set up a watch you know make sure john travolta and dory lindo are okay oh yeah oh man (laughs) oh oh, sorry now you've got me thinking about delroy lindo and how much i enjoy him but um and so what, what what we will say, and I do this pretty much every time uh, an actor or a director that I really like uh, passes away, uh, I I always tweet out just some of the things that they were in that should be watched. And so mm-hmm. so we got Get Shorty, Midnight Run. When he was on Law & Order, he did a, a good job. Uh, I would include Luck, although I don't know if that's on Blu-ray or DVD yet. Yeah, I don't know. But it's on HBO Go, so you can do that. Sure, okay. Um, I really... You mentioned the the warmth and the nurturing thing. Uh, I think he's great in Out of Sight. Oh, he's sure, not in yeah. it very much, yeah. but it's it's a very key role. Uh, he's got a great line, too, um, to Michael Keaton when he's, when he's like... Uh, what is it? He's got the shirt that just says FBI in big letters. Yeah, he's got, yes. you got one of those that says undercover. Yeah, and he just <laughs> and he just says it with that kind of that bemused smile on his face, and it's just yeah. And he's he was very funny, but also very believable, and uh, and yeah. it is unfortunate that he has passed away. Let's not forget striking distance with Bruce Willis. <laughs> I do not recall that. One. Was he in that? I want to say that that he was in. I get striking distance and color of night mixed up, but I know I saw striking distance. <laughs> okay. Oh, and Mercury Rising. That's Bruce Willis too, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. That I one has a kid in it, though. I know I've seen Striking Distance. Uh, because I think that's the song that repeatedly makes you, or the movie that repeatedly makes use of the song uh, Hey There, Little Red Riding Hood by Sam the Sham and His Pharaohs. You know that song? The Pharaohs. But yes, I love I, that I song. I like Sam the Sham and His Pharaohs better. <laughs> um, I like to say Sam the Sham and our Pharaohs. They belong to all of us. Uh, so that's Striking Distance. I think I saw Mercury Rising. Who's the bad guy in that? Alec Baldwin. Okay, I, I, I saw that. Um, I don't think I saw Color of Night. That's the one with um, where Bruce Willis is naked. I think Isn't so. It, That's the like one where there's a, it's very sultry and all okay, that. Okay, yeah, I didn't. But see uh, and uh, real quick, I, it just occurred to me. Um, uh, hang on, Dennis Farina. Uh-huh. Dennis Farina, right? Okay, because I was yeah. like Ray. No, that's Ray Bones. That's a character he played. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dennis Farina. Uh, he also played uh, Jack Crawford in Manhunter. He played. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, all right. He was very good in that as well. Well, um, we will. I was going to say we'll talk about Jack Crawford more, but I didn't make it to the Hannibal Panable. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a, a, well, <coughs> a little tease before we, you know, uh, Comic Con stuff before we get to our sponsors. Um, I've never before had the experience at Comic Con. You know, people talk about the lines and how long they are. Yeah, I'd never before had the experience of trying to get into a line and someone from Comic-Con saying, we're not letting any more people in this line. But wow. that's what happened for Hannibal. It's the same really? thing. And, and the last time that I heard about oh, that happening... Oh, things have changed since WonderCon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought about that that dude. Uh, anyway, go back and listen to the WonderCon episode. He was the first fucker um, in line here at Comic-Con. <laughs> um, 
but this happened with Game of Thrones two years ago, where they put it in Ballroom 20, and it clearly had the capacity for Hall H, and from what I understand, people were turned away from the Game of Thrones line. And so what happened with Hannibal this year is they put it in 6A, when it probably should have been in Ballroom 20. Hmm. Uh, I, I think sometimes they tend to underestimate... All right, well, a couple more things, then we'll get to the sponsors. Okay. I think they tend to underestimate television. But also, they've made some st- steps in the right direction by having some of the bigger TV shows like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead in Hall H. And then Sunday is all Hall H, all TV in Hall H. It was Supernatural, Breaking Bad, Doctor Who, uh, Community, mm-hmm. uh, uh, all kinds of stuff. But what they haven't done, and I don't know if it's because they still give primacy to movies, but they haven't yet realized that maybe there's some movie panels that would be okay to put in Ballroom 20. Mm. You know, like um, Europa, Report. Europa Report, which yeah. I'm sure is, I, I hear is a good movie. You yeah, saw it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but from what I understand, I mean, the the um, Hall H was half full during Europa Report uh, panel, and I mean, half of Hall H fits into... Ballroom 20 is about two-thirds of Hall H, so... Have if it's in there, why not? You know, it, it should have been in there, and you move maybe like Sherlock and X Files into Hall H. Oh yeah, perhaps it's a uh, almost a wishful thinking type of thing where it's just not wishful thinking, but maybe they're actively trying to raise the profile of Europa Report. Perhaps the people that program Comic Con uh, like the movie or or want the movie to do well, and so by by giving it a Hall H status, whether it was filled or not, immediately causes people to think of it in a different way. I think that's a positive way of thinking about it. What I think it really is is that the people who produce these movies and bring them to Comic Con would be would be insulted if they were mm. uh, shuttled off to Bottom Twenty because that's television and they're movies. That's what I think it is because I think, I think that's, movie, that's more likely than mine, I think yes. movie, people who work in movies and make movies maybe have a bit of an ego. Um, and are probably some of them are probably not uh still you know uh what are we fourteen years on from the sopranos mm-hmm. still from the debut of the sopranos still not comfortable with the fact that uh t v is at least on par uh in terms of popularity and vitality <coughs> with cinema um well and there and at the very least as far as comic con goes, there are people that are infinitely more nerdy about tv because they're already invested it's a thing yeah. they're already following yeah so it draws more it's more passion yeah anyway hmm. we'll get to that let's get to the sponsors first though okay uh, well let me first tell you about uh tweakedaudio.com because that's a place where you go to get professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors and these are i always mention the variety of styles and colors but what i don't mention is how sharp these these things are how, how good looking they are. Are you, you know? saying that like they'll hurt me when I put them in my no, ears? No, I mean sharp looking. Like, oh, you know, I like, see. You know, uh, certain people will go crazy for a sharp dressed man. Okay. That sort of certain people. Certain every people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, will go crazy for a man with uh, tweakedaudio.com earbuds in, in his head while he's walking down the street listening to Battleship Pretension or other fine podcasts in the BP fleet. With his Battleship Pretension top hat. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, that's at tweakedaudio.com. And uh, let me, you know, lean in close. I'll give you a little tip. You go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension and you get one third off what's already in a very affordable price. Mm-hmm. Plus, you don't have to pay for the shipping costs. Indeed. All right. Um, and then, of course, there's always Hit, which is... Um, now, we don't... Okay. We've been doing this for so long with Hit 
that we're going to do it without any text in front of us. But also, we haven't done an episode in two weeks. Yeah. So I'm a little rusty here. But no, Hit uh, is is a comic book that uh, was funded by via Kickstarter. They're mm-hmm. trying to fund more of it via Kickstarter. Uh, it, 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 it concerns an, uh, a Boston hitman. What's his name? Uh, it's Connor. I want to say it's Connor O'Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's Connor O'Irishman. I don't. I don't totally recall. It's Connor Connolly. Connor Connolly. Okay. Yes. Uh, gets dispatched uh, in the first issue, which I've read, which is awesome. Gets dispatched to Arkansas, mm-hmm. suburban Arkansas, to put out a hit, and uh, seems to be going uh, run of the mill. And then everything gets all cocked up, and uh, nice. uh, in a way that definitely opens things up for the series going forward. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to reading more issues of Hit, uh, and if you're looking forward to finding out more about Hit, you can you can order uh, um, digital copy is three dollars, physical copy is five dollars, and mm-hmm. you can order that from www.gentlemanbaby.com. <laughs> no, sorry, gentlemanbabycomics.com. Right, that's gentlemanbabycomics.com. Right. Uh, so now, what, that's all, yeah, that's so all, now yeah. what can we do with com in the future? Now that we've effectively mangled every part of the URL, well, what I can think, we do with .com? I think I, you know what I would do with it. .com. Oh, yes, indeed. All right. <laughs> so www.gentlemanbabycomics.com. <laughs> yes, and you can find them on Facebook. And then also at BattleshipRetention.com, they have a skyscraper ad on the side. You can click on that. Yeah. And, and Always we, click and, on the skyscraper ads when you're at BattleshipRetention.com, which please. is where you should be every day. I agree. There's always uh, new reviews. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks um, to other podcasts. If you're, right? What? Other podcasts in the BP fleet. You oh, can yeah, listen yeah. to them from, if you're, if you, if you have an office job, you know, you're at a cubicle all day. You want to? You need something to listen to while you're doing uh, your work, or something to read while you don't want to do your work. Battleshipretention.com is your one-stop shop if you're a, a, a fan of uh, movie reviews and movie discussion. And incidentally, if you go into iTunes and you type in Battleship Pretension, yes, you will see our show, but you will also see something that says the Battleship Pretension Fleet Feed. Right. Yeah. You well, click on that. If you subscribe to that, you are subscribed to every show in the Battleship Pretension Fleet. Yes. So you we will be covered a, all week long. We need to give a tip of the hat uh, to because we didn't make that put that together. right. That was uh, Rudy Obias. Yes, Rudy Obias from from the Battleship Retention Fleet from the excellent Autor Cast. Yes, uh, set that up for us. Um, yeah, and uh, so yeah, to get back uh, briefly to hit, we have both read it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, not merely the story, but uh, I really liked the art. I thought it was very minimalist, yeah, yeah. and I, I like its use of uh, black and white or whatever you'd want to call that. So I think you can call it black. Well, it's, it's, you know what, here's the thing. The job that I, the, my job, if a, if a photo is black and white, we use the term grayscale. I see. Um, so I had to, I was going to say black and white or grayscale. Wait, no one would ever call it that. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, but it's, it's good stuff. So check it out. Digital copy, $3. Physical copy five. That's that's pretty good for for this uh, for this yeah. comic. So, all right, and that's all our ads. No, right? oh, David, oh, what's shut this? up, shut up, and listen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we do have a new sponsor, and I wanted to say thanks to everybody for uh, kicking in 
with our last sponsor, uh, I want to make sure I've got The Suspect. Yeah, starting Mackay Pfeiffer and right. uh, William Sadler. Yeah. Uh, At WM underscore Sadler, I think, on Twitter. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> that's neat. Uh, but yeah, it uh, they got the, the project funded, so they are actually going to start uh, doing some industry screenings. I know they've done one already that, unfortunately, neither you nor myself were able to attend. That's but, right, yes. Um, but yeah, so I'm very happy about that. So good job, everybody. Uh, all right. And speaking of independent film, here we go. I've got a rather the, lengthy thing the, to read here. The next one to get the BP bump. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> hmm. Well, now it sounds like we've gotten something pregnant. Um, <laughs> so the BP baby bump. Okay, moving on. Andy and Oliver Fry are brothers by blood and best friends by choice. However, that all changes when a spat between Andy and his girlfriend leads to a night of debauchery between the brothers. After copious amounts of alcohol and maybe an illegal drug or two, Andy and Oliver end up sleeping with a girl together, which turns their lives upside down. The Fry Brothers had a threesome. That is the name of the project. The, thri- the Fry Brothers had a threesome. That's hard to say. Is the second feature film from Short Pictures Independent. It's a comedy that explores family and friendship through the lens of a regretful drunken decision. With a host of local Austin-based talent and plans to shoot at the end of this summer, we need your help to make this film the best it can be. Please check out the Fry, the Fry Brothers Had a Threesome on Kickstarter or click the Skyscraper ad on Battleship Pretension's front page to contribute. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash frybrothers for more information. Thank you. Without your help, this film won't happen. All right, I'm looking forward to to seeing seeing that play out. Yeah, I, I looked at it, and it does look like who knows um, these uh, this local uh, this Austin talent could be the next Mackay Pfeiffer and or William Sadler. Could be. They're going to have to quite possible. They, it's quite possible. I'm not quite sure who you're insulting here, but I think you're, <laughs> I'm not insulting anyone. Okay. Why would um, I insult? Uh, there are sponsors. I, I'm being honest. I would not insult our sponsors. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, and actually, I checked out the Kickstarter, and it does sound like a very it reminded me um, not of the story, not of the story itself, but tonally, it kind of reminded me of that movie Hump Day. Sure, and I mean the nature of the story, but also just like this being a very <laughs> almost like a like a sex comedy that's so so deeply uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it looks it looks very interesting to me. So, yeah. and you don't run across a lot of independent comedies. Not not nearly enough. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Um, I didn't see. Uh, I was trying to figure out how to segue that into Comic Con. But uh, I, I continued to not see independent comedies at Comic Con. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, let's just get let's just get into it, shall we? Um, and I guess we'll go day by day, right? Um, with uh, a, with a special emphasis on Thursday, I think. Um, in terms, yeah, for, in some ways, but in terms of movie stuff, almost not at all. Uh, well, you saw some stuff. Yeah, I'm just saying it's the only day I was there. Or you were around con- on Friday, right? I was around on Friday, and I did a lot of stuff outside the convention, which okay. was fun. Well, well, did you do the Godzilla encounter? I didn't, because you needed a badge for that. And I was there oh, really? with... Uh, yeah, that was a last-minute change. Oh. Uh, I heard that was great. Now, let's start with that. Wednesday night, I had... Because you had to RSVP for the Godzilla encounter. Right. And I did. And then I was, like, walking the floor, looking for stuff to buy, and it was getting close to the time. I was hanging out with Ryan uh, Gallagher from T- Criterion Cast, and I was like... Nah, I'll skip the Godzilla encounter, right? Mm-hmm. Then Ryan and I decided to go meet up for uh, uh, a bite and some drinks with my friend's uh, friend of the show, Patrick Starr, and uh, his friend, and I like to think mine, uh, Derek. 
said, you know, let's meet up with them. They were just at the Godzilla encounter. So we were like, hey, how was the Godzilla encounter? And they were like, oh, my God, it was so awesome. Oh, man. And so I immediately felt regretful because I didn't buy anything on Wednesday on the on the floor. Yeah. I didn't need to be doing that. I guess I technically could have gone on Thursday, but that would have required being outside the convention Which is where you center. want to be, sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, not much to Wednesday night other than, than that. Um, it, it was just, as usual, the chance to meet up with, with, with people I haven't seen since last year, you know, which yeah. in this case meant, um, the aforementioned Ryan Gallagher and, of course, uh, my dear friend Angie Han from SlashFilm.com, uh, and then some other people that, uh. Yeah. Are not movie related people. So you, don't, you don't need to talk about them. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, not movie blogger related. Like, no one cares that I saw my friend Ryan, who has nothing to do with any of the. No, yeah, but they might my care other about, friend Ryan. I mean, they might care about uh, a Kate Kulzik or something like that. But I didn't see her on Wednesday. Oh, okay, fair enough. I see what you mean. Okay. Uh, I have a story for uh, for yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing here. I know. I'm sorry. This isn't your first uh, rodeo. Wait. You know what? I'm getting my days confused. I totally did hang out with Kate on Wednesday. All right. All right. I was like old Tyler. Uh, yeah. I know what I'm doing. It all it, it all runs together. Yes, I totally did hang out with Kate on Wednesday. I was getting that confused with Thursday, but Thursday was, of course, our I'll meetup. I bet it does all run together. That's the sound for tipping it back. Yeah, it, yeah, only in your world. Yeah, well, doesn't it go glug 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 or something? Well, I've heard I've heard the the weird clicking sound that I'm unable to actually replicate, but I've heard like the knocking it back. Although that's a little closer. Mine is a little higher pitched. Okay, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I totally did hang out with Kate. Um, which was which is a blast, and you know what? I also all right. I'm glad I'm doing this episode because everything's running was running together. Okay. Because I did buy stuff on the floor. Okay. That is totally worth talking about. What'd you get? Uh, Fox. Uh, I think we had talked about it in our preview uh, at the Fox booth. They did. Um, they, they they were selling a line of Blu-rays with artwork. Oh that yes. Could only be was only available during Comic Con. Yes, you Instagram this. Um. Yes, and well, they did nine movies into th- three different. Uh, categories i think the first one was um it was either sci-fi or classic because they're kind of both but it was the original the fly mm-hmm. the original the day the earth stood still yeah and the original planet of the apes uh some of those are classic and then the second batch was cult which was donnie darko fight club and the boondock saints so we'll skip that uh and then the final one was horror which was uh, Carrie, Child's Play, and The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, nice. Of those, I picked up The Day the Earth Stood Still, The Planet of the Apes, and The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. The longest titles are the ones that drew me in, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but uh, I'm really glad I got them, because uh, I'm a Comic-Con geek, and I like that I have something that's Comic-Con related that's also a practical thing that, I don't know, is owning Blu-rays. We think of it as practical. Oh, uh, the most practical thing. Uh, yeah. So, like, things that I can actually watch and, and use that don't just sit in a, on a shelf, but also they can sit on a shelf and be reminders of, of Comic-Con. And you and I Although, have commented in the past that we do enjoy, like, good cover art and just a good I think, just a good sleeve or you know, whatever. I feel like I do, but then I listen to uh, the Criterion cast and I realize, wow, there are people who really, really care about cover art. And I kind of oh, like yeah. listening to them talk about it. But I realized that I am out of my le- out of my depth there. I did my first. This was a while ago, but I did post it on Battleship Pretension. I did my first uh, fake Criterion cover. Yeah, yeah. For uh, Ravenous, and mm-hmm. I was I was rather I was rather pleased with it. Sure, I picked uh, one of the many haunting images uh-huh. from the film. Yeah, you so. did. Um, 
but uh now these weren't um they don't have any special features i think they're just you know uh i mean they have special features they don't have any new special features okay so these are the special editions that already existed um but they have cool art and a couple of them have uh black plastic cases as opposed to the standard blue plastic uh oh, okay. blu-ray case um so i'm really yeah i'm really looking forward to watching i've been wa- meaning to rewatch silence of the lambs since since hannibal ended you know hannibal season one ended anyway uh, I used to not be a big fan of that film, uh, but upon rewatching it, uh, boy, it holds up. I think th- I'm going to guess. I think the reason you weren't a big fan of it is because I think you ha- you tend to have this thing like you had with Hannibal Lecter, and then you have with the Joker, where you have like this. Uh, it becomes a zero sum game with you, where you're like, I like Jack Nicholson's Joker, and therefore I can't like Heath Ledger's. Oh, it's, it's I not know so- that I'm over exaggerating it, but I feel like part of it is that. I think you were hesitant to admit how good Sounds of the Lambs was because I think you felt like doing so would take away from Brian Cox's performance. In well, Man I think Hunter. I saw Sounds of the Lambs first. Oh, okay. But uh, but no, it's. I will say this: uh, the thing that always got me was when Jack Crawford in Sounds of the Lambs, played by Scott Glenn, yep. uh, when he says that you know, kind of that standard line like "You don't want to let Hannibal Lecter inside your head." And the thing that I said mm-hmm. for a long time was. If you see, if you walk up to Hannibal Lecter as played by Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. no one's letting that man in their head. No one would ever want to do that. Like, right. it that's he's just clearly insane. Yeah, he's he's standing there, very prim and proper, just staring at you with those. He like I, for a long time, I always thought like he's he, he kind of looks like a Bond villain, mm-hmm. as opposed to what people regularly say about serial killers, which was I never would have expected it, mm-hmm. which. I think you could look at Brian Cox's Hannibal Lecter and or say... Or Matt Mickelson's. Yeah, well, I mean, he he just looks like a weird foreigner. But, uh... <laughs> you know, and, like, he's got, and he's got surprisingly uh, large knots in his tie. I don't like that. Yeah, I'm he's, suspicious he, of that. He's, yeah, he's, he's rocking like a double Windsor there. It's definitely a choice. Um, but, uh... Matt Smith, again, and also, I learned just today mm-hmm. that it's not pronounced Mads, it's like Maz. Um... But anyway, uh, in his, like, he always plays, like, creepy villains and stuff in American movies, but he's like George Clooney in, in, uh, Denmark? That's where he's from, right? I believe so, yeah. I want to say Denmark. Like, he's like the, you know, cover the magazine, sexiest man alive type of thing over there. Fascinating. Uh, and Gerard Depardieu is a sex symbol in France. We all have our thing, I guess. Probably not anymore. Probably not anymore. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um... I mean, I don't know. Anyway, if George, if George Clooney like stood up and urinated on a plane mid-flight, he might <laughs> fall a few notches. Fair enough. Uh, what were we talking about? Okay, oh. Brian Cox. That's not. Anyway, let's go so, back to Comic Con. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, so uh, but as time has gone on, I just recognize like, well, okay, the Manhunter and Silence Lambs—they are different styles. You know, I mean, right. basically, the, the mental the the mental institution that. Lecter is kept in in Silence of the Lambs is basically a dungeon. So we're not necessarily we're dealing with a slightly more stylized version of reality. So right. I'm I'm okay with it. And you, you could I've come also to say, embrace and maybe it. I don't know if I would have said this before watching um, Brian Fuller's Hannibal on NBC, but uh, you could make the case that um, Hannibal Lecter is the way he is in Silence of the Lambs because he's been institutionalized. That he yeah he knows that you know that he's crazy because he's in a mental institution. So Maybe he just leans into that a little more. Perhaps, yes. Okay. Moving on. All right, I think that's it for Wednesday. Okay, not for me. 
Oh, did you get down there on Wednesday? I, I got in at, at about 2 a.m. Okay. Uh, Thursday morning, technically. But I left right. Wednesday probably around uh, uh, probably around midnight, maybe 11.30. Anyway, so I was driving along. Here, So this is basically the story. So I was driving along, and my phone, because I was driving on the, on the 405, and you eventually wind up on the 5, but Name you have dropper. to take... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You have to take, I believe, the 73, which is a toll road. I did not know that. Uh, I didn't have any cash. Uh And it does not take a card. What do you do? Here's what I do. I stay there for about 15 minutes. And I ask other people at 1230 at night for money. Uh I was a fucking beggar (laughs) for asking, do you literally asking, do you have any change (laughs) <laughs> that's what i was asking people and then finally i i got enough and it's just like this is that is uh very humbling that is uh you can't not do a that. like i don't think at this point when i go to a place and it says cash only i'm like what, what year do you think yeah, it is parking meters take cars yes yes like how it just it just fascinated me. Like and there was another like, guy. It used to be a cool thing, like oh, it's a it's a it's a dive bar, or it's a mom and pop, you know, like uh, taco stand or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. no, you could you could get a smartphone with an attachment mm-hmm. and take credit cards. It's no longer like it no longer makes you seem like cooler underground if you don't take credit cards. <laughs> yeah, you're just bothering everyone. Yes, you're the guy just being difficult. The guy next to me actually also got stuck. For a short time, because the machine took nothing higher than a 20, and he only had a 100. Which is not something we often run into, is people don't often run around with $100 bills, but... Right, unless you're Leslie Mann and this is 40. Okay, fair enough. Um, Have you still not seen it? No. Keep it that way. Well, that's the plan. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and so he and I like pulled up at the same time, and I just looked at it, and I was like, huh, I don't know what to do here. I was like... If I just keep driving, because it's not a thing where the, the there's a, an arm that goes up. Basically, if you just drive through, they've got your license plate, and they will send you a ticket for fi- for $50, $57. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And so, and the guy pulls up right next to me, and so we're just, we look at each other, and he's like, he's like, I don't know what to do. I can't use my 100 and I was like, I don't have any money. And so finally he like looked through the seats of his car and scrounged up enough change and he had a couple of dollar bills as well. Uh, and finally he was able to get through. But meanwhile, was he unf- able to give you any of his, uh, he gave me one, he gave me four quarters and then how much was the toll? Six dollars. Holy shit. Yeah. Wait, which way did you go? I've never been this way. That's yeah. I, I, uh, I imagine you will never be this way again. <laughs> Damn right. Yeah, it's basically you drive down the 405 and then my phone. <clears throat> Eventually, you got to get on the 5. And so uh, the way to do that is apparently to take the 73, which is a uh, toll road that I was unaware of. And so so that was you my little... Just get on like the 10. Right, yeah. and But that's the thing. It People took me, don't it took... need to listen to me puzzling out different ways yeah. to get yeah. to but it took, it took me it took me really far down south before it had me go over. Sure. And so okay. next time I'm just going to get on the five as soon as I can. But um, but yeah, and then of course I got to my uh, motel and they couldn't find my reservation and it took them a half hour to get it. So, Holy fuck. So I didn't, go to, I didn't go to bed until three, which is not uncommon for me, but I had specifically... You wanted to be up early, yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, so that was my Wednesday night adventure. That reminds me. Well, you're having problems with the motel. It reminded me. Uh, the people who worked the Fox booth where I bought those Blu-rays were very nice, but clearly it was Wednesday night. Had no idea what they had, like what the exclusives were, even though it's not a big thing behind them. But huh. like, none of the boxes were open yet. They didn't know how like the point of sale system worked on their laptops yet. Mm-hmm. Like it took me like 40 minutes to buy three Blu-rays. Oh man. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so that's Wednesday. Thursday, I'll go through it real quick because I mostly had a TV day on okay. Thursday. Um, uh, most of it, uh, you know, I saw a pilot for a show called Intelligence, which is not very good. I saw a pilot for a show called Starcross, which is not very good, although which I kind of, it's the cheesiest thing in the world. It's essentially Romeo and Juliet, except for instead of Montagues and Capulets, it's uh, human and alien. And, yeah, but I, I almost kind of respect how committed it is to being, like, just uh, really uh, corny and melodramatic. Um, like, it didn't, like, the intelligence, the pilot for intelligence was was bad in the way, in a way that it was, like, trying to be too cool. Mm. Whereas Starcross was bad in a way that's, like, oh, it's really trying to be something. Like, it's really trying to get across, like, with the alien character, it's trying to get across this... Uh, metaphor about sort of the immigrant experience and like race relations and stuff and but it's doing it in uh, you know the most ham-fisted way possible but i really felt like it's like i I, I almost like like a little show i'm like oh yeah it's it's (laughs) the ones that try to make the difference that you're like okay now you're becoming special (laughs) yeah and so i kind of like i almost want star-crossed to succeed it won't uh the 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 female lead is amy teagarden from (coughs) friday night lights oh okay um but the main thing I was there... Oh, let me say this while I'm in on Thursday. That one of the most fun things that happens at Comic-Con is when you get to... Because there's a panel you really want to see, so you get into that room early. And then you're in there for a panel that you had no idea about. And it ends up being weird fun. Hmm. And I had two of those on Thursday. Um, this was... The main reason I was in the Ballroom 20 and I saw these, uh, these pilots... Oh, yeah, I also was there for the Beauty and the Beast panel. But... Uh, on purpose? It, it, no. Be, be, I'm saying this is also something I sat through. Oh, okay. But that one I didn't even... They give out bathroom passes during, uh, you know, in, in the bigger rooms, mm-hmm. which means you you go out... So you don't lose your seat. You get right. a thing and it says, as long as you return before this panel ends, you can just walk right back in. Right. So, being the Beast panel started, I'm like, all right, time to go charge my phone, get a coffee, maybe get a bag of chips or something. Yeah. Like, I didn't see much much of the Beauty and the Beast panel. But what I did see, because I was there for Sherlock, but right before Sherlock was Psych. Okay. On USA. Yeah. Which I knew from Comic-Con's past has a big following. But I'd never been in the panel before. So much fun. And you've never seen the show, right? Never seen never okay. seen one, uh, other than the footage that I saw, uh, you know, uh, at the panel. Never seen one second of the show. Such a fun panel. It was such a blast. Um, Carrie Elwes was the moderator. Yeah, and somebody uh, I guess tweeted, he's a re- recurring character on the show. I uh, like the idea of him as moderator. That sounds kind yeah, of yeah. He was moderating the panel. It was the cast and creators, uh, you know, and, and including Corbin Burnson, who I guess is also on the oh, show a lot. Good for him. Um, but I don't know if they weren't expecting him to be there because they didn't have a chair or a name tag, hmm. a nameplate thing for Corbin Burnson. So he kind of like he had fun with that. Yeah. What somehow it's just like ah, oh, he's even on the show and he doesn't get respect <laughs> it was like oh corbin we weren't expecting you. he's like really i've i've been calling um but uh yeah i i had heard somebody tweeted uh that 
there was a during the Q and A. Uh, oh, I th- tweeted that. Was that what? It was? Okay, yeah, yeah, he yeah. said, um, "All right, next question, please." And the question asker said, "As you wish." Yeah, which maybe is the only instance I've heard of of genuine cleverness uh-huh. and solid timing uh from somebody asking a question uh all right so let me breeze through uh that was a lot of fun and then sherlock was awesome even though benedict cumberbatch and martin freeman weren't there because they're uh working but uh they both sent like pre-recorded some videos and benedict cumberbatch's actually was like a you know written and acted thing that he that was that Mm -hmm. was quite funny that you can you can find online and watch uh what you can't find is the scene that they showed which i won't even describe here because we were begged not to Okay. And usually, they'll, obviously, they'll say no recording of the footage, but uh, in this case, they were like, the BBC was very antsy about us even bringing this, so this is just for you. Don't even tell people what happens in this footage, which is not... You're going to tell me off mic, right? Uh, probably, okay. if you want to know. I mean, it's it's not a spoiler in the terms of like a plot twist, but it is like a maybe character development spoiler. Oh, okay. If that makes sense. So, uh, But it was an amazing scene. Uh, so that's Sherlock. Then I went to... Um, I went to the uh, discussion of the best and worst TV series finales of oh, all time. I wanted to get It was so much one. fun because they didn't... Well, they mentioned all the stuff that you and I talk about as, as younger uh, fans, you know. They mentioned, like, The Sopranos and Lost mm-hmm. and The Shield and all these big ones. A lot of the talk was about stuff from the 80s and 90s. They talked about Quantum, Quantum Leap. They talked about the original Battlestar Galactica. Hmm. They talked about uh, Twin Peaks, yeah. uh, St. Elsewhere, um, Bob Newhart, obviously. Uh, I feel like Newhart. Noble should have been part of that panel. Uh, Paul, Paul Goble, yeah, Paul Goble should be. Um, so that was fun. Then I went to <coughs> that, that, and then after that is when I found out. Despite being having an hour and forty five minutes, I was nowhere near going to get into Hannibal. I was told I wasn't getting in, so I went uh, to see the Goon panel. It's the first and only movie thing I saw on Thursday. Um, but before that, I it was again like the psych thing. I just happened to get to the room early, and it was a panel of people who had worked as animators on classic TV, like, uh, cartoons of the 60s, like your Warner Brothers and Pink Panther and Hanna-Barbera and Looney Tunes type of thing. So it was all these guys who were, like, you know, senior citizens now, mm-hmm. sharing stories about, like, working for Chuck Jones. And, and oh, that like, sounds uh, great. It was a really cool panel. Um, and I, I don't know if it, this is, like... Was it well attended? Uh, it was fairly well attended, Good. yes. And... Again, I don't know if I should even buy it. Would be, it would be real progress if I didn't have to point this out. But moderated by a woman who really knew, like, obviously was a big fan. Okay. I, I don't know what she, like, works for, writes for. But I only mention that because um, on Friday in Hall H, which we'll get to, the uh, panel for the Metallica um, uh, movie slash concert documentary, we'll talk about that, was... Um, moderated by Gina McIntyre from the Los Angeles Times. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out, uh, it came out uh, on Twitter, that that was the first time a panel in Hall H had ever been moderated by a woman. Really? Isn't that crazy? So, like, with that in my mind, it's the only reason I remember, like, this this like weird, super nerdy anim- uh, you know, animators panel was not, was moderated by a woman. That's... V- that's very strange. It almost seems impossible. It. D- I feel like it's incorrect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, then I went to the Goon panel, which uh, at this point, like, it's. I love the Goon comic book. I want the movie to happen, but these panels are getting frustrating because I feel like I see the same footage every year because they're not making. You know, they they got the Kickstarter uh, thing done, but the Kickstarter 
was not to make the movie. The Kickstarter was just to produce a feature-length story reel to hmm. show to get the movie made. Because their their proposed budget for the movie is thirty to thirty-five million, which is you can't raise that on Kickstarter. Right. It's never been done. Their Kickstarter was like four hundred k. I never say that like that. Anyway, uh, do, I mean, once people know that Clancy Brown's involved, surely the money will come rolling in. I hope so. But I mean, Paul Giamatti is a big name, obviously, and David yeah. Fincher um, seems like he could get stuff made. But it seems like a uh, PG thirteen anim- computer animated film. That is both super violent and weirdly funny, and also set in a nebulous time period uh, where you can't tell what year it's supposed to be, uh, or even if it's Earth. Um, is maybe a hard sell. Yeah, maybe they should just pitch that to Adult Swim as a series <laughs> or something like that. But uh, yeah, it does. It, based on everything that you have told me about goon, the goon panel in the past, and does seem to be this. The one constant at Comic-Con is, hey, we're doing this again. No, nowhere close to being done. Yeah. Probably never. But they know, did just show us... Uh, sad after a certain point. They they haven't completed the story reel that they <sighs> were making because of the Kickstarter. I guess mm. they're about an hour. They've got about an hour. But they showed us a couple of scenes. The story reel is essentially just animatics cut together at, at the length of the movie. <coughs> um, you know, and then they got... Uh, um, some people, not Clancy Brown and Paul Giamatti, but some people in to do the voices. So they showed a couple of a couple of scenes um, from the story reel, and it does look like it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, <laughs> one part where the goon and Frankie are fighting a bunch of zombies plus um, a giant ape, and um, the goon knocks the uh, the ape's head off his head goes flying through the air and lands on the shoulders of a zombie and suddenly so there's like a zombie stumbling around with a giant ape's head on top of its head sounds pretty good <laughs> yeah it was pretty cool so yeah they did show some cool some 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 stuff but i i just wish this movie were further along yeah all right what did you do on thursday all right so i was staying in uh, chula vista and so i was walking over to the uh, trolley and while I was there, while I was waiting, uh, up walks a uh, friend of the show, Doug Jones. And so I spoke with him. Did he, he recognize you or you recognize him? Well, obviously I recognized him. Right, he's, oh, yeah, yeah. And I, so I said, Doug. And, imme- and immediately it's clear, oh, he doesn't, um, he doesn't recognize me. And I said, mm-hmm. Tyler Smith, you've been on my podcast. And I said podcast and that did it. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, I mm-hmm. didn't even have to give the name. And what's more is based on the conversation that he and I went on to have on the trolley and that sort of thing. Um, it became clear like, Oh, not only does he remember me, but he also remembers details about the podcast. Cause he was also on more than one lesson. So right, we right. talked about, uh, we talked about, uh, this is the end, which I recently did an episode about. And so, um, is he in that? No, it oh, doesn't okay. seem like he should be, Yeah, but, uh, no, but he was just talking about the, the difference between like the theology of the film and how much he laughed. He laughed quite a bit. He's like, oh, that thing is a theological mess, but I sure did laugh a lot. <laughs> so, uh, so that was fun. Uh, and then I got in and got my, uh, you know, got my badge and everything went fine. And I immediately went to the, the panel for, uh, about superhero music, uh, music and superhero films. And they featured, uh, on the panel was among others, Bear McCrary, who sure. is becoming very popular these days. Well, and, uh, Battlestar Galactica fans have... Oh, all right. Known his name for years. And and he did, uh, you know, Walking Dead, and he did Europa Report, mm-hmm. and just a number of things. And as it happens, a friend of mine, uh, who I actually uh, 
interviewed for this show. His name's Kevin Porter. He did the Sorkinisms supercut. Sure. He actually uh, works for Bear McCrary. So, um, but also John Debney, who has done a number of scores, uh, including the one for Iron Man Two, and then Marco Beltrami, who whose name is being you see a lot more these days, who did the score for uh, the Wolverine. Okay, so, well, he's been around for a while. He's been around like, for didn't a he while. Do, like, this, like Scream. I think so. Yeah, I want to say he's the guy who did Scream. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, and so. And then the the director and the composer of uh, Kick-Ass 2. And so they showed clips, and it was very interesting just to hear them because we saw we saw a scene, like a kind of a an unrendered but fully edited scene from Iron Man 2 without music. Then we saw it with the music and all the sound effects, and you couldn't really hear the music. And so then it comes back to John Debney and goes, uh, one thing that should be noted is when you compose for action films – you can put a lot of effort into something that quite possibly might never be heard. Mm. And he's like, it never hurt. He goes, by the way, it never hurts to make friends with the sound editors <laughs> who might feel an obligation to mix it in such a way mm-hmm. that uh, you hear more of your, so there, there some genuine uh, frustration came through, but then mm. also we saw a clip from the Wolverine which, by the way, that clip is selling me on seeing it. And it's getting pretty good reviews. Oh, well, it it played at Comic-Con. I didn't get in to see oh, it. I didn't but know our that. friend Ryan Gallagher did see it, and he said it was the best like the best superhero movie he'd ever seen. The thing that everybody says is what's great about it is that it is a comic book movie in a way that nobody makes them, maybe ever, where it's just this self-contained thing. Mm-hmm. It's not lending to a larger mythos. It's just its own thing. And... They're not setting up the sequel. They're not setting up the next X-Men movie. It's just, here's this one self-contained adventure of Wolverine, which sounds pretty good. And well, um, Ryan, because it takes place in Tokyo, and Ryan said it also had visual nods to Ozu in it, which is uh, very very intriguing for me. Yeah, and I saw Tokyo Story uh, for the first time recently, so I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of that. I have to assume tonally it's pretty similar. But anyway, uh, so the scene that I saw was actually quite thrilling, well choreographed with James Mangold, who I like a lot, Um, and uh, it takes place atop a speeding train. Okay. And the music is really good and all that. So then it comes back, and Marco Beltrami, he goes, huh, that's interesting. He goes... I've never seen a full mix. That sequence, the way I scored it, did not have any music. The music used for this, the music that is now being used for the sequence you just saw was written for the scene that directly precedes it. And he's like, I didn't know that uh, the director (laughs) made that choice. Wow. And it was just very interesting. He didn't seem necessarily put off by it because my guess is, you know, he's a pro enough to know that. The director's going to do what they're going right, to do. Right, but it seems like this is the theme of the panel is that that you're learning that uh, that that composers don't have a lot of say over how their music yeah. gets used. Yeah, and that uh, and that's the thing is, you know, I guess, because I, 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 I guess they're kind of like actors in that sense. The actors give a bunch of takes, and then they, they yeah. the, it's it's out of their hands, you know. The, so so Marco Bertrami maybe writes something with a scene in mind, but really that's just an option. Yeah, and so many, I mean. So many people acknowledge that a film really starts to take its shape in post, mm-hmm. and and yeah, uh, James Mangold might have decided, oh, you know what, the tone of the film is different than what I 
wanted it to be and so now or what it what I intended it to be so now I'm going to have to move some stuff around here. And so it was very it was very very interesting mm-hmm. to hear that side of it. So from there I went to a smaller panel called Geek Therapy: How Superheroes Empower Us. And it was one of those panels that I really enjoy where there is no celebrities on it. Uh-huh. It is a bu- it was a bunch of uh, psychiatrists and uh and therapists who specialize in uh child psychology and young adult psychology Hmm. and they basically the panel was all about how they have been more and more incorporating superhero mythology into therapy sessions and that it gives kids because so many uh superhero stories feature people who feel like they are outcasts realizing their full potential not giving up uh, being brave in spite of their own fear, and just mm-hmm. so it was very interesting. So they told a number of stories that I, that were actually very inspiring, in which somebody like very clearly, uh, in which like a kid was very clearly influenced by the use of you know Superman or Batman or something like that. And I mean, a lot of the and also these therapists are also geeks because they brought up very much lesser known uh, comics that I had never heard of. Maybe just these little one shot things. And uh, and one of them said that there was this kid who was a troubled uh, teenager who caused a lot of tr- uh, problems in school and all that. And so uh, it reminded this therapist that I think the kid was mandated to see, mm-hmm. uh, reminded her of a one shot in which this guy becomes a supervillain. And she had him read it. Mm-hmm. And then the guy come, then the the kid comes back to the next therapy session, and he has a page specifically marked. Mm-hmm. And he'd been not very communicative during the therapy session up until that point, uh, the the various sessions. And he opens it up and he says, "Right here, that's what I feel." And that, and from then on, mm-hmm. that he was much more open. He was better able to explain how he was feeling, and it was just very fascinating to me. And I was very happy I went to that panel. That's great. So um, then I went to a a panel that I both liked and did not um, called, I think it's called We Still Love the 80s. Uh, The first one was last year called We Love the 80s, in which they talked about 1982 Uh and specifically movies that came out in 1982. And then this year, 1983, I'm going to assume next year, 1984. Um, Assuming we're all still here next year. You know, and fair enough. I mean... I see the writing on the wall. Uh, and so, uh, and that was, that was interesting because they had a number of, uh, writers. It was done by, uh, geek magazine and they had a lot of writers from that and various blogs. They had the director of Sharknado there. Um, Oh, I didn't, didn't, didn't hear anything about Sharknado at Comic-Con. It wasn't everywhere. (laughs) (sighs) I guess we're just going to have to watch it. I don't think I ever have. I think you and I should do a commentary track for it that people can download. So, um, but the first time we watch it. Yeah. Oh, no question about it. (laughs) Um, but that's the thing is like, what are you going to do? Make fun of the, make fun of the, the film that is already making fun of itself. Like, Oh no, thank you. I hate that kind of self-conscious stuff. But anyway, uh, but the reason they had him on there was because, uh, uh, jaws 3d had, had come out in 1983 and he specifically watched jaws two, three and four, uh-huh. In preparation for Sharknado. Not the first one, uh-huh. the best one. He right. specifically said, I don't want to watch the good one. I want to watch the schlock. And so um, 
but they talked about uh, they talked about you know the I don't remember which film, but the latest film, the Dirty Harry series. There, of course, talked about Return of the Jedi, um, and they and they talked about like I remember what I I remember what I was because uh, they were mostly kids at the time. Just my anticipation going into Return of the Jedi and being let down, mm. and I remember thinking, I I don't get and p- people were real, and people in the crowd and the people on the panel were just very very negative about return of the Jedi. I understand a lot of people are negative about it. Um, and they're just like, ah, the Ewoks. And I was like, well, as a kid, I guess I didn't necessarily love the Ewoks, but like, are you going to argue about freaking Jabba and Sarlacc pit and Rancor? No, you're not. Cause it's awesome. So shut up and just it like, it's awesome. And they did to their credit mention that there is a scene of genuine raw emotion there at the end when Vader is taunting Luke about, he's going to try to turn Leia over to the dark side. And then Luke just loses it and just wails on Vader. And it's just pure anger. It's one of the, it's one of the few uh, moments in the whole series where you just see a, an uncomfortable display of emotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they talk about that. And so it was very interesting. They talk about Scarface and they, they theorize why that has gained cult status over the years and that kind of thing. So it's, uh, it, was a, it turned out to be an interesting panel, one that at times is a bit, uh, a bit too smug, a bit too ironic, but still interesting. Um, after that, I went to a panel that was not interesting for the purposes of our listeners, um, okay. in which it was about uh, promoting your project. Oh, and okay. it featured a number of people who worked in publishing in, in the film the industry though. yeah yeah oh i'm not going to um <laughs> but you know what here's the thing i've already put in some uh, put some of their uh advice into practice and it has already in the last few days paid off tremendously awesome so to the point where you gotta uh, tell me about that i'll tell yeah. you about the sherlock footage you tell me <clears throat> okay. about how to be happier well it's uh, I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> oh well i'll tell you just basically it, it was something that uh because you and I are already finding an audience, but more than one lesson is not. And so, uh, but I was able to get uh, the latest episode about uh, This is the End. I was able to get it retweeted to uh, 30,000 people. Awesome. So. Well done. Yeah, very exciting. So, and uh, and then from, and then uh, after that, I, I, there are some panels I tried to get into, but like, I wanted to go to that goon one, but by the time I got there, the line was super oh. long. And so I just like, ah, eh, what the hell? And by that time, Josh, my co-host for more than one lesson, he had arrived. So he and I met outside the convention center, uh, went and got dinner, and then met, went to the uh, meetup. Yes, let's talk about the meetup. Indeed. It was a great success, as was mm-hmm. last year's. Um, it was uh, it was us. It was Ryan Gallagher from Criterion Cast, and it was Matt and... Dan. Dan. I, I always forget, because the podcast is Matt, Dan, and George. Mm-hmm. And I've met Dan... I don't know, four times, yeah. and I always forget if his name is Dan or George. I feel really bad about that. He looks but more like a George than a Dan. I'll maybe that's that what there. it is. Yeah. So it was Matt and Dan from Warner Archive, um, uh, and they brought with them uh, a, a woman whose name, I, it was either Mariah or Maria. I don't recall. Um, who was awesome and recommended, they, they were giving out free DVDs, uh, the Warner Archive guys were, mm-hmm. and... Um, Maria, I think, um, you know, helped me uh, with, you know, I said, you know, what I was kind of movie I was looking for. She helped me pick out a movie. And then I realized that she is at Old Films Flickr on Twitter, someone I have t- followed for years and oh. am an awesome, huge fan of on, nice. on Twitter. So that was cool that she was there. Um, but let's talk about, uh, and then uh, also um, other friends of the show, Tom Griffin 
Kate yeah. Kolzik, West Anthony. Yeah. Um, uh, Kyle Anderson was there. Kyle Anderson was there, of course. They have to mention Josh. Um, Todd Vanderwerf from the AV Club was there very briefly. Um, but uh, I think mostly because he's friends with Kate Kolzik. Oh, all right. Um, but I got to talk to him very, very briefly. That's interesting. What did he have to say? Um, mostly we ended up talking about my show with Paul because he's a TV guy. Oh, Todd okay. Vanderwerf is a TV guy. He because uh, Todd has, uh, a while ago when I was uh, Googling Battleship Retention, back when I did that on a more regular basis, uh-huh. uh, which I have since stopped, um, incidentally, um, uh, and I believe in an AV Club forum, uh, people were talking about movie podcasts, and he <laughs> mentioned that uh, he used to like Battleship Retention, but eventually had to cut us loose. Yeah. Yeah, he told me he has listened to Battleship Pretension. Okay. That's what he said. All right. But we talked about TV. He's a TV guy. Okay. Um, he was very nice. I ended up running into him later in the weekend as well. Uh, uh, nice guy. But let's talk about our listeners who were there. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't get to meet all, all of the people who were there. And there are some people there. I don't know if they were there you know, because they're fans of Warner, Warner Archive, right. fans of Criterion Cast. Um, so I'm trying like, – now I feel like I'm going to forget – uh, someone that there's I met. there's really only three that I spoke to for any length of time. Okay. Well, um, the, the, I, t- I talked to two guys for a while. The first two guys there, who it turns out had no idea who we were, they right. were told by their friend who listens to our show to meet her there, and then she never showed up. They were super nice guys. That happened last year. Is uh, <laughs> some people showed up, and admittedly they came with their friend. And uh, they did, man. And so I talked with their friend, and they themselves did not seem at all impressed by me. Uh, and so, <laughs> well, these are really nice guys. Yeah. Um, but I, it was Kyle, and, uh, and the other one showed up later, and I forget his name. But they don't okay. listen to the show, so I don't have to remember their names. Exactly. Uh, but maybe I they meet, do now. Uh, maybe they do. Uh, I did meet Tiger. The, uh, he was the first guy um, that I talked to at length, uh, yeah. who was super awesome. Uh, San Diego. Uh, I was going to say native, but not he's native to New Jersey. Yeah, resident. Uh, yeah, lives uh, in San Diego with his with his wife and daughter, daughter or son. I think daughter, I, I believe, daughter. but I'm not 100. percent Um, but uh, uh, he was super cool. We talked about we, we talked about movies, or we screamed at each other about movies because it was very loud. In yes, there. it was. <laughs> um, uh, so that was awesome. You got to talk to Tiger as well. Yeah, he's a big fan of More Than One Lesson, actually. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Um, and so uh, then also now the other one I'm uh, remembering who's a listener was was Raymond who had actually stayed uh, he and his I want to say girlfriend possibly wife I didn't ask <laughs> I didn't ask and I'm not um, I'm not trained to look to see if people are wearing rings do you do that as a married person do you look to see if you meet a couple do you look to see if they're wearing rings hmm, no yeah I don't do that so I don't know if it was girlfriend or wife but I don't Ra- look but I I don't look specifically, but I think I do notice if they are. Okay. Uh, well, um, so Raymond and his uh, either wife or girlfriend, Tracy, mm-hmm. uh, stayed later than most uh, other people. And so I ended up talking to them at great length. Uh, so thanks to them for coming out. Who's the third person? Who am I missing? Or did it someone I, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you got to talk to him uh, really at all. Uh, his name is Dan. He is also a San Diego resident. Uh, and he was here. Uh, he, he was there last year as well. Okay. And so, uh, so he was there for a, for a short time, and he mostly sat and sp- and talked with the with the, me and Tiger. Okay. And so, um, so yeah, so he and he's a fan of of both shows and is very, okay. yeah, really enjoys us. But it was a really great time. Uh, I love Dublin Square. I don't mind the loud music. Uh, I know some people did mind because um, I feel like last year in my memory, 
at the beginning of the meetup there wasn't live music and the it, the show started like at nine or whatever. I think it was something like that. Whereas this time, I mean, I just got there earlier last year. Whereas this time, like from the moment the meetup started, there was live music and and there's yeah. a. I wonder if next year if we can ask them to disconnect the speaker at the back of the room. That'd be interesting. You know? I bet they'll say no. <laughs> but it's just us. That's like, true. That whole area is just us. That's true. Anyway. Um, so it was a super duper blast. Um, and uh, I drank a whole bunch of Guinness and uh, didn't keep me from getting up early the next morning to get in line for the Hall H. For Hall H but uh, didn't get up quite early enough because I just barely, like... Uh, the detail, like, you know, you go on this line and then you get into the final section of the line. They break you up into four. They break the line up into four lines, which mm-hmm. they call shoots, right? And they go, you know, let shoot one in. And then while they're letting shoot two in, they refill shoot one. Mm-hmm. And then they shoot. Two. So basically, I was in shoot three. And I was almost all the way to the front of shoot three. Mm-hmm. And they started letting in shoot two, meaning our, my shoot is next. Yeah. They got about a quarter of shoot two in, let in for the first panel of the day, which was the world's end. Okay. Um, which I wanted to see. Uh, and then it stopped. So we're we're thinking, you know, we got three quarters of a shoot plus the few people in front of us. Like, we'll wait, you know, as people get out, you know, we'll get in. And throughout the day, it was just like no one left. It was like after every panel, it was like I let 20, 30 more people in. You yeah. know, the shoot would get a little uh, less filled out. And then finally... Um, after Walking Dead, enough people left that I was able to get in. So what time did you actually get in? So I got in We're, line... we're into Friday now. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what time did I actually get in? I'm, I'm trying to do the math here. Um, I guess not till like three. Is that right? And what time did you get in line? Um, the I got in line at 7.15, but the person that I was that I joined in line got in line at 5.45. Wow. Um, yeah, it gets it's it gets crazier every year. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I literally next year am going to have to just... Uh, I mean, I'll still go to my room and sleep a little bit, but I'm essentially going to have to get up early enough and then do the second half of my sleeping in the line. Ugh. You know? Or do the thing that the, the Slash Film people did this year where they, like, have one person get in line at, like, 9 p.m. or whatever, and then they do shifts throughout the night. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. I know that you enjoy Hall Age. Is it worth it? Well, Is it worth that? We're going to talk about it. Okay. Because um, I'm not entirely sure that Friday was worth it. Okay. Um, I mean, well, here's the thing. I get to go to Comic-Con for free. Because mm-hmm. I have a badge that says David Back's Battleship Pretension Press. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I feel like if I'm not... Uh, there for the big movie stuff, then I might be kind of doing a disservice to what, uh, to what I am saying to Comic Con that I'm like my justification for getting in for free is that I'm going to be covering this stuff, doing what we're doing now. Now I understand what you're saying. You're talking about principle, and I'm all in favor of it. Uh, but they don't care. You do <laughs> they know don't that, really right? check on yeah, yeah. But that's not. I don't care whether they're checking or yeah. not. I always dance like no one's watching. Um, <laughs> um, I think that's so, actually the opposite of the point. I, I was going to say, yeah, um, your adherence to the rules that you've put on yourself is, in your view, <laughs> dancing like no one is watching. Yes. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, so I got in, and Game of Thrones was um, 
was okay. I, I had heard this. I, I, this is the first Game of Thrones, pa- Thrones panel that I'd been to, and I'd heard last year that for a show that's very exciting and has a huge fan base, unlike Psych, it's actually pretty dry. And this was a rather dry mm-hmm. panel. It was moderated by Elvis Mitchell, which is always of interest to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about Elvis Mitchell, um, but uh, he seems like a weird fit for Comic Con. But mm-hmm. uh, he really knew his stuff about Game of Thrones and had some good questions. But still, like, it was very dry. And also, it bothered me that because um, uh, I had last year uh, again, I wasn't there. But last year, the pa- panel was moderated by moderated by George R. R. Martin. Oh, nice. And I guess, he, but I guess he. You know, he's the one who wrote all these sex scenes and stuff, and I guess he was kind of lascivious in, like, mentioning, like, the actresses on the panel, like, being naked, or, like, the actors on the panel getting to do sex scenes with the actresses on the panel, like, that it was kind of uncomfortable. He does have a dirty old man quality yeah, to yeah. him. And Elephantal wasn't, you know, like that, but he did still manage to make, like, one reference when he when it got to um, Rose Leslie, who plays... One, I always forget if it's Leslie Rose or Rose Leslie, but I think it's the one that sounds less natural. Okay. So it's Rose Leslie. <laughs> Doesn't that sound less natural? Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Um, so I think her name is Rose Leslie, uh, <laughs> and she plays Egret, and he made some, like, joke about her, you know, her character being emotion- emotionally naked, and then, like, also making a joke about how we all like it when you are naked. And it's just like, she's there, and she's here to, like, talk about her craft and her like but it's when he posted up for the high five that really made (laughs) everyone uncomfortable (laughs) yeah um anyway that's not what i was there for what i was there for was sony which is a two-hour panel because they had four different things they were showing um those four (coughs) things were uh claudio the chance of meatballs 2 mortal instruments city of bones Mm -hmm. um robocop and the amazing spider-man 2 uh and I'm not going to talk about Mortal Instruments because I didn't really pay attention. Yeah, uh, I was there for the panel at at um, WonderCon and it just didn't. Home. This was essentially uh, this is a longer thing of the same footage they showed at one at, at WonderCon um, with some finished effects. That I, I will say the the effects looked well done. It was like this sort of like mutating mutant Rottweiler monster dog I mean, thing, like Resident uh, Evil, right? But it was like it could like morph. You know, but it wasn't like cheesy, like, you know, I look like this, something I look like this. Like it, oh. when it would change shape, it would be like all like muscly and sinewy and like oh, nice. sacks of like fluid and stuff. It was like <laughs> gro- gross looking. It was actually kind of, so I, I'm talking about it more than I wanted. It, it was actually kind of well done. Un- unfortunately, nothing else in the footage um, sparked Makes my interest. see it at all. No, yeah. it just seems, it just, it seems like a movie that is based on fan fiction of a thing that is actually good. Okay. <laughs> like it seemed like it almost like skipped the process of being a good thing that people were into. And then it's already like, uh, lame melodramatic fan fiction about it. <laughs> That's how it felt to me. Okay. All right. Um, cloudy, the chance of meatballs too, though. I was a big fan of the original film. Yes. Um, as I think you were. Yes. Um, and I was skeptical about this one because, um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are not back right. because they're doing the Lego movie, which, you know, we'll save for when we get to Saturday. Okay. Um, but, uh, based on the, the, the footage they showed and just the attitudes of the new directors who had worked as story editors, um, on the first feature, um, it looks like it is actually maintaining a lot of the just, silliness uh, mm-hmm. of of the first one um uh and the the conceit here i don't know if there's a sequel to the book but the conceit here is that 
after they've you know all the the populace has abandoned that island mm-hmm. um uh so it's sort of like a um lost world like Jurassic Park thing where they have to go back to the island where they find that not only is it still covered in food but the food has now become like mutant sentient animals okay um so it's become this whole overgrown like it doesn't even look like a town anymore like you can see like buildings but like it's become jungle but it's covered in food that is and it's all you know I love this it's all puns all the food oh I'm sure all all the animals so you got the taco dial (laughs) you got the shrimp pansies okay and you got my personal favorite the watermelon so yeah it looked like a lot of fun it looks like fun yeah um we don't have to spend forever on that uh, although it is notable that I'm not sure why uh, Mr. T isn't back um, as the voice of the uh, the was he a traffic cop or was he a cop cop? I, I think he was a cop. Um, I don't know why he didn't come back. I don't, it didn't sound like he wasn't asked back. It sounded like he chose not to come back. Hmm. But he's replaced, being replaced with Terry Crews. Makes sense. Yeah, and that's that's great. Yeah. Um, and then I'll talk about. Uh, let me take a drink of water real quick. Okay. And talk about the main reason I wanted to be in there for Sony is the main reason that um, I don't mind that I waited in line all day, even though I missed the World's End panel, and um, then I also missed the Universal panel, which was Kick-Ass 2 and Riddick, so I don't okay. really care about that. Um, although Vin Diesel teased, apparently, uh, during the Riddick panel that he has some big Marvel news coming up at the end of the month. So, uh, we'll get to that when we get to Marvel. Um, Let me ask you this. What? Do you give two shits about Vin Diesel? You know... I find him interesting. I find him interesting, but like for example, you said like all, you you went into and you said like although Vin Diesel did tease and I shut down uh-huh. immediately because I think he can be a really good actor, uh-huh. but at this point he's in Fast and Furious movies, he's in Riddick. I got it. Yeah, he's not going to be in another Find Me Guilty, which is a movie that I thought he was great in. Um, it's just he's not going to be in Boiler Room, which I thought he was great in. Right. Like he's just going to go back. He's just going to be him. He's going to be this thing, which is boring and who gives a shit uh, forever. Um, and any, and remember, any, and any, what is it, Marvel, he said? Yeah. Any Marvel character he plays is going to be worse for him having played it. I don't, I don't know that that's true. Um, but I do always remember what Tom Sharpling said. He was like, hey guys, hang in there, you might make it, because Vin Diesel should be having a tough time getting a job at a gym. <laughs> 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 all right um but anyway uh robocop okay i now people who listen to the show know that i'm uh, a huge fan of paul verhoeven's 1987 mm-hmm. film robocop so i went in nice and skeptical yeah um and i hadn't watched any i, I looked at the the webs the fake website they did for omnicorp which mm-hmm. is it's not on the consumer products in this movie it's omnicorp um well what uh, you know i kind of agree with you at first when i think about it do we really want like a blueprint like if if we're gonna get a remake which i don't think you should Mm -hmm. but if you're gonna do a remake do you really want it to be the the exact same thing i just like the company name omni consumer (laughs) consumer products um but uh but i guess the idea here is that it's a much bigger oh okay i see you know it's um it's massive dynamic well the (laughs) i've started watching french (laughs) it's kind of like massive dynamic i think it's more like uh, halliburton or like stark industries or whatever where it's uh that's a real one and a fake one. Um, <laughs> basically, the idea is that this company, Omnicorp, uh, is run by Michael Keaton in, I guess, the sort of Ronnie Cox type role. Okay. Um, so that's obviously that's a step in the right direction. In the plus column. Yeah. Um, 
makes these uh, robot soldiers and 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 stuff that are used um, overseas in 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 combat and in occupation zones and stuff. And basically, he, his next step as a businessman is he wants it to be sold to be used domestically to be used in law enforcement in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have uh, who are okay with you know the populace is okay with using these mindless um killing machines in foreign uh territory but there starts to be an uproar about um uh, uh about this and then i guess eventually laws are passed that you can't have um robots doing um uh law enforcement domestically so then the whole this reason does that, sound fairly relevant to, yeah so the whole reason they come up with robocop is they say okay we'll put and there's there's much less of uh of alex murphy um alive in um this robocop then you know there's there's it's pretty much just his head is like the only thing left but they put his head in this thing as a way of like selling it like okay it's a cyborg now it still has humanity but the idea is when the visor is down all the humanity shuts down and it's still just his robot but of course he's alex murphy so his humanity is going to find a way to shine through indeed so that's the story that sounds much better than you would have thought, right? Yeah. Now, David, let me ask you this. If you were going to buy the new RoboCop, how much would you be willing to spend on that? At least a dollar. Okay, fair enough. Well, that brings me brings me to my next point, because um, just like uh, the original RoboCop had, you know, segments from television, you had the yeah. commercial for the 2000 SUX and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, Samuel L. Jackson's character in RoboCop is a TV news personality, a okay. uh, cable news personality has a show, uh, a very sort of shouty type of loud, lots of graphics type of show. Um, Samuel Jackson, who was on the panel, said he referred to the character as he compiled him as Rush Sharpton. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the th- things they show was just an extended. <coughs> it was it was a way of giving you the backstory that I just gave you about Omnicorp, but it was all through like Samuel Jackson, like shouting and making sort of unequivocal statements <laughs> and like trying to get his point of th- point of view across through brute force, like a lot of these cable news personalities do. Just if you say it loud enough and don't let anybody else talk, then you'll yeah, make yeah. your point. Uh, and so it had that sort of humor to it. Okay, uh, so it. All this is to say that... It, that was it, my big concern, was that they were going to drop it, the humor. Yeah. Um, but uh, it it seems like it could be okay. quite good. Uh, no, I don't know about quite good. It could be better than I thought. Did you stay for the uh, Spider-Man 2 panel? I did. I mean, it was all okay. part of the same... Sony was all one panel. Oh, okay. Panel. All right. Um, so I, uh, and that was the final thing. And um, well, I'll tell you this. Um, here's what's great about Comic-Con. Uh, or about being at Comic-Con. And I know that it's difficult for a lot of people to get there. Because um, the footage they show, a lot of it will eventually show up yeah. online. The actual panels themselves all show up online. Someone's recording, you know. Yeah. There's no rule against recording the people talking. Yeah. You know, you get that out. You can watch You can watch all these panels. Um, but there's something to be said for being there in the room. You know, it's, a, it's an electric atmosphere of this communal sort of nerd gathering. We're all into the same thing. We're, we're having... Uh, a lot of fun. What was that? You just smiled at me. It's electric. Oh yes, yes. That's that's. I didn't mean it like that. Uh, and so I'll say, um, apart from the footage, which I'll talk about in a second, the Spider-Man Two panel was a good time because Andrew Garfield is great mm-hmm. at being on a panel at Comic Con. Okay. Um, and Jamie Fox is also just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. He was talking about his character and how his character before becoming Electro. 
um, becomes sort of fixated on Spider-Man first in a very positive way, and then it turns kind of negative. And he's talking about how he's got all these um, uh, cutouts of uh, like newspaper clippings and stuff up on the wall at his crib. That's what Jimmy Fox said. Mm-hmm. And then he started going, and he like pointed to someone who was like, there's a black girl in the front row who thinks that... Who, like, he was like, based on her reaction, she thinks... You white people don't know what a crib is. It's it's a house. <laughs> it's like crib is, ha- and they started going crib is house, homie is friend, and like having fun with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. But Andrew Garfield still won the panel for me. I hate that. Why did I say that? Is that a thing people say? Yeah, I don't like that. Um, he still was the best part of the panel for me. Uh, and a lot of it, oh, a big part of it, came down to I don't know <coughs> how much you follow this kind of news and stuff, but. Um, Somewhat recently, Andrew Garfield had been giving an interview about the character of Spider-Man. And oh, say, yes, yes. Okay. Saying that, you know, there's no reason that Spider-Man couldn't be gay. Be, be, uh, his example was in an in interracial gay relationship. Yeah, zeroing in surprisingly specifically on Michael B. Jordan. Oh, I didn't hear that. I don't know if I heard that. Whole yeah. Because yeah. I was thinking about Donald Glover, who was, you know, uh, right. uh, a lot of people wanted Donald Glover to play Spider-Man. And a lot of racist nerds didn't. Um, Hang and, on a second. I don't think it is a function of racism. I think it is, uh, and and don't get me wrong, I I love Donald Glover, and I think he would do a great job. So I'm not opposed to it, but I also don't want to necessarily dismiss anybody who has an objection as racist, because I am of the opinion that if you change a person's race, Mm -hmm. much as I don't like it, there are cultural it has nothing to do with the character themselves, but there are cultural expectations of that character that they, that they might then need to deal with. Well, then they can deal with them. I, but in doing so, maybe they are then changing more of the character than merely their ethnicity. But or they don't, their I don't race. think if, if it's, a, it's a new series, they can change the character as much as they see fit. And I'm fine. And that's the thing. I'm fine with that. But it goes but back to see, it goes back okay. to the purest, and it's not merely purest insofar as uh, pure blood. Uh, it's purest insofar <laughs> as like, no, it's like if you can guarantee that you will keep every element of Spider-Man the same, I bet people would be okay with it. But at the same time, I think they would just like. But I feel like, oh well, we're changing his race. We might need to address that somehow, and immediately people would be like, oh, I'm out. You're changing too much. Yeah, but I also people, well, I think Peter Parker's experience in particular being uh, I think it would work. city dwelling, lower middle class. I think parents that, that gone. Yeah, speaks latch, to a lot of kid to a certain not really latchkey kid. He has you know non parents taking care of him. Uh, he does fit a certain stereotype that is you know I think would probably be relevant to a lot of a, yeah. a lot of black youth. Yeah, I think that one more than more so than maybe any other superhero would work really well. But um, I don't want to necessarily dismiss people that disagree as as that. Okay. All right. I see your point. Okay. But, but the, one of the most touching <clears throat> things that happened, I tend to tear up a lot at Comic Con because I get into, I get like wrapped up in things. But this was like a legit. Man, so you would not, you would have bawled at this geek therapy panel. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have. But sometimes I'll just like, uh, you know, on Saturday it's like everyone's really excited that the entire cast of Days of Future Past is here. I don't care, but this is so exciting that everyone's so excited and that I feel all <laughs> emotional about it. Um, I don't know that I actually cried or anything, but like the biggest maybe the biggest tear <coughs> tear jerker moment of the whole weekend was um, that during the Q and A, a kid came up and mentioned that interview and said, you know, um, just said thank you because he was a gay Asian American kid who liked comic books and it was a very 
touching thing, you mm-hmm. know. And that led to them talking about uh, Andrew Garfield talking about how um, one of the great things about Spider-Man as a hero is when he's his hero, you have no, you know, you have no idea what his skin color is. He's completely covered up, right. uh, you know. And that made it, it ended up being a much better panel. The footage, unfortunately, didn't do it for me. Yeah, you uh, didn't see the uh, the original, right? Yeah, I saw the the you Amazing the- Spider-Man. Yeah. I didn't know you saw that. Oh, we've talked about it at length. I'm sure. Okay, I apologize. Um, and you were not thrilled with it. Neither was I. I was thrilled with the first act. Yeah, yeah. It was essentially, uh, as you have said before, uh, you, I mean, I, you're not the only person, but you're the person I most equate with this point of view, that a movie, action movie, superhero movie type of thing is only as good as its villain, and uh, Amazing Spider-Man really phoned in the villain. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this kind of, I don't know if it's phoned in, and I, I, I'm a fan of Jamie Foxx, but... Uh, now the effects and stuff weren't done. There were even some like storyboards in in the footage. Oh, okay. So uh, I can't. I, I'm not going to judge the the action type stuff in there. But um, the uh, the stuff they showed focusing on on Electro and his origin just felt like his whole thing is that he's a nobody and no one like ever pays attention to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and then one day Spider Man does you know in the middle of like uh saving the world from paul Giamatti from the rhino you know yeah. he gets caught up and he saves he saves i can't remember the character's name who becomes electro he like maxwell saved, dylan what is it maxwell dylan okay. i don't know why i know that so he saves maxwell dylan uh from rhino and you know i remember yeah it is max because he, he's he's wearing his name tag mm-hmm. from because he works at he works at uh osborne oscorp or whatever okay um as an electrician and he sees in spider-man <laughs> refers to him by his name and uh, um, so, as I was saying, Maxwell Dillon is someone who is thought of as a nobody, and no one ever calls him by his name. And the reason we know that is because when it happens, he says, but I'm a nobody. No one ever calls me by my name. <laughs> like, saying that out loud. Yeah. And there were more of it, like, he really is the amazing Spider-Man. Uh, like, it really felt, like, it felt really on the nose, the the, yeah. the stuff that they showed as far as, uh, as Electro. Uh, so That's that unfortunate. Kind of, like, there's, they've got a good... They've got a good dynamic going there, like a like a Mark Lindsay Chapman kind of thing, like just or or just right, yeah, obsession yeah. with like celebrity and being like validated. It's something that I, frankly, I feel like probably a lot of comic book fans would uh, would appreciate. It's like, oh, he knows my name. Yes, I've got a name tag, but still, yeah. Um, more than anything, I'm just fascinated. It's like, what the hell are they gonna do with Rhino? I know what he looks like in the comic book, and I have to assume they are not going to have they're not well, going to put Ra- Paul Giamatti in that Rhino suit. And, and also, um, Mark Webb did say, I'm glad you asked those kind of questions because there's some things that I don't even know whether it's interesting okay. or not. But Mark Webb did say that Rhino was not a big part of the movie. Oh, okay. Because um, there, like, someone asked, like, are you, you know, we saw what happened with Spider-Man 3. Are you going to overload these things? And he was, and he was like, he was like, no. And his way of saying that, he said that, you know, Elektra was the villain of Amazing Spider-Man Two, and which I'm I'm fine with. Rhino, I like Rhino that. Is, Rhino is, I think, just a little bit of color to show, kind of like, I guess, in like um, the Dark Knight, when you see that other people have sprung up because of this, you know, because of what happened in the first one. I think that's kind of what Rhino <coughs> is supposed to be. Which, oddly enough, is a dynamic that I've always want that I've wanted in superhero movies. Like, not it doesn't always have to be. It's like, oh, we've got two villains, and they are and they've teamed up. I like the idea that it's like one of them is a little bit easier to dispatch and the other is not. Mm-hmm. But the idea is like, but it's just one right after another. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of that. More than anything with Rhino, rather than the dynamic of the character, I'm just interested to see what they'll do with him visually. Is Rhino just a nickname for the character and he never puts on the Rhino suit? I don't know. But I'm... 
you know, I'm interested in that. Um. Anyway, uh, sorry. No, no, that's that was worthwhile because I again, well, yeah. When we get to X Men, you can ask all kind and interject all kinds of stuff because I got nothing to say about the X Men. And you know what? I grew up loving the X Men, and I don't care. Okay, good. Um, I'll, I might have questions, but still, well, let me move on because we're we're taking a while here. But um, yeah, we're still only on Friday, uh, and Saturday's a big one, but there's nothing on Sunday. Um, so. After this, I, w- I wanted to stay for all of the uh, Metallica panel, mm-hmm. um, but it got started late and I had somewhere to be. So I basically stayed long enough to see the new 3D trailer for um, Metallica Through the Never. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know about this movie. I don't know much about it. Somebody me- talked about it a little bit and it sounded kind of crazy to me. So it's a movie yeah. that is directed by... Um, a director okay. we've heard of, Nimrod Antal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what's he most known for? Did he do the... Uh, oh, oh, oh. Oh, he did Predators. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but he but, also... Before that, what did he do? Uh, like Armored? Is oh, he did was? Armored. I didn't see that. Yeah. But the ones, I, the ones I've seen of him, uh, his... Because he's... Uh, I can't remember what country he's from. I don't recall. Czech Republic, maybe? I can't sure, remember. Sure, that sounds right. He made a film there in europe uh called control which i didn't care for very much mm. but his first film in america which seems to have been forgotten even though i really dug it was a horror film called vacancy with luke wilson oh, and right. kate beckinsale and um and ethan embry um it's frank whaley as well. uh, yeah that's right uh it's a really cool little movie it's, i never saw it it's one of those that i, I think I don't know. It just gets forgotten. It got, it got swallowed up. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Uh, but I really dug it. Um, but anyway, <coughs> so it's a real movie directed by him that is also a concert documentary. Mm-hmm. The story is da- actor Dane DeHaan. Okay. Um, who was also on the Spider-Man panel because he's playing... Uh, I know. He's playing Harry Osborn. Harry Osborn. I always forget which one's Norman and which one's Harry. He's playing Harry Osborn. Um, so he just, I, I guess, hung out. Uh, to be on the Metallica panel, which I wish I had gotten to see the panel because it's Metallica at Comic-Con. Yeah. But it started 15 minutes late, and I'll tell you where I had to be. Uh, but So it's a real movie. Dane DeHaan plays a roadie for Metall- the band Metallica who gets sent during like a show. He's like, the guy's like, hey, the band needs this thing by the end of the show. Go grab, you know, take the van and go out and get it. So he goes out into the city and then while he's in the city, I don't know, like, the apocalypse happens or something. And, like, there's, like, people in masks and riding horses with swords and stuff up and down the streets of the city. And there's fires everywhere. And and then occasionally it just cuts back and, hey, here's another Metallica song. And it's all in IMAX 3D. <laughs> I described this to my friend, my friend Gary, and his reaction was, oh, another one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't that just... Everything you just described, doesn't it seem... Does, does it come out this year or next year? Uh, this this fall. I want to say October. Okay. Because it's so, got a, kind of a horror bent to it, I guess. Oh, good. All right. With the apocalypse so, thing. So it's quite literally now the ravenous of 2013. <laughs> None of that should go together. And the fact that it is in IMAX 3D... Yeah. That's it. You know what? There's almost nothing I want to see more. I really do want to see it. Uh, I wish I've been. Able and to I like see... Dane DeHaan. I'm a big fan of his. Me too. Um, I wish I'd been able to stay for the panel, but I had to get out of there because I had to get to a screening of The World's End. Oh, nice. Which uh, was it was on my. You know, uh, now part of why I had sort of a mixed time at Comic Con last year is because I said like, here's some things I want to get into and things I want to do, and I didn't mm-hmm. get into all of them. Maybe, maybe <laughs> bitter. So I didn't really do that this year, but my you know, going up to 
two weeks before Comic-Con, my goal was, all right, I know there's a screening of The World's End. I want to make sure I get in. So I pestered some PR people. And it was actually Tuesday, the day before the convention, that I mm-hmm. got the invitation. So I didn't have it. I, like didn't have it hanging over my head. I knew I was going to see The World's End, yeah. uh, which uh, was one of my uh, three most anticipated movies of of the year. Um, so I've now seen two of the three and saw a panel for the third one. Mm-hmm. So those th- the three movies I was most looking forward to at the beginning of the year were Stoker, The World's End, and Gravity. So right. I've seen Stoker, uh, which uh, lived up to it. I thought it was great. It's still my top five of the year. Um, we'll talk about the panel for gravity and then I saw the world's end which uh, I'm a huge fan of Edgar Wright as a filmmaker mm-hmm. uh, and so when I say that the world's end is the least of his four features it's still an awesome movie and yeah, I still yeah. totally recognize, recommend that you go see the world's end in the theater because it's, it's worth it but um, I, I, I will admit that it you know much like I, I had a similar, maybe it'll grow, it'll grow on me because I had kind of a similar feel, feeling when I saw Hot Fuzz the first time, because and I still agree that I still think that Hot Fuzz is not as good as Shaun of the Dead. I love it, but it's not as good as Shaun of the Dead. And so when I saw this, I was like, oh, "This is really good, but it's not as good as Hot Fuzz or or, or Shaun of the Dead." Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe it will grow on me as I, <coughs> you know, focus more on the um, the billion ways in which it's great. Yeah, it's so great, like. One thing that it really does, because okay, um, for those who don't know, it's uh, the, the the those three movies form a trilogy, uh, in that they are comedic sort of takes, not necessarily parodies of, mm-hmm. but comedic takes on established genres. Right. Sean, uh, so Shaun of the Dead is horror, Hot Fuzz is action, uh, The World's End is sci-fi. Okay. Um, and what is really great about it, more so than in either Shaun of the Dead... Because Shaun of the Dead, is my, even though like the zombies don't actually show up till a little bit in, there's there's visual clues that this is a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, there, there's like creepy things that seem to, to happen when you, when you watch. Uh, the World's End, I literally forgot. Like, I was watching the movie, and the, the basic story, which is that Simon Pegg plays a character who was like the leader of his group of friends when they like graduated from... Uh, high school, whatever, at 18. And, like, the day they graduated, they set out to do this uh, 12 pub pub crawl mm. uh, ending at a place called The World's End. Uh, that was the last pub. And it was the best night of his life. And he literally has not had... He's, he was the leader of the group. He was the coolest guy. Mm. And yet uh, nothing has gone well for him since then, whereas everybody else has moved on. So he organizes... Um, trying to do the pub crawl again to get his old friends back together to try and relive his glory days yeah um and there's a lot of bitterness you know some of them are very much trying to distance themselves like eddie marsan's character really would not like to (coughs) think about what things were like for him because he was not a very popular person you know and then there's um simon pegg and nick frost characters have had a falling out um in in between there uh and yeah nick frost uh, does not play anything like the Nick Frost characters you've seen before. And this okay. one, he's the one who is the uh, accomplished businessman, married, you know, he's he's very much got his shit together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not kind of the lovable fuck-up like he plays in Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Um, so that was good to see. Uh, but so I got so invested in the story of these guys getting back together and, and, and how funny Simon Pegg was and all this stuff that when the thing happens that like clues you, and it's not a clue when you like are walloped over the head with the fact that they're, that, you know, they're, that, that this is 
the, the, there's side fiction elements, I was like, holy shit. Because yeah. it is, like, I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil it at all, but it is a very, like, violent, shocking moment when you realize, like, this is more than what we've just, like, there's more to this story than what we've just watched. Hmm. Uh, and it really did, like, take me by surprise. But um, it's it's very funny. Um, I wish I, I do still wish I'd been at the World's End panel on Friday because I heard, uh, you know, from, you know, I was following along on Twitter. And I guess one of the things they talked about was, you know, one of my big problems with a lot of uh, American comedies, the aforementioned uh, This Is 40, um, <coughs> even 21 Jump Street, directed by the aforementioned Lord and Miller, um, is an over-reliance on improvisation. Yes. And I, apparently they, uh, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, talked <coughs> in the panel about how they why they don't do improvisation. They work very hard on making a funny script, and then they make that happen in front of the camera. Yeah, uh, I, feel like the, I feel like improvisation... Um, these days especially, is a specifically very American thing. Like, when I think of British comedy, I don't think of... I really don't think of improvisation at all. Even stuff like, you know, uh, The Office or Extras, where I know there was a little bit, but I remember Ricky Gervais saying, like, it's way more written than it appears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and this has lots of loose moments because these guys are good actors, yeah. and in addition to being incredibly funny. And it's a great cast. The main... The five friends, uh, you know, although I don't know if we can call them that at the point they get back together, uh, but the group of friends is Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Eddie Marsan, Martin Freeman, and Petty Considine. Oh, nice. Um, and then it has... Uh, I'm a big fan of Eddie Marsan. Uh, did you ever see Happy Go Lucky? No. Oh, no. man, it's good stuff. He's amazing in it. Um, but then Rosman Pike is in it. Uh, David Bradley, whom you, Tyler, oh, I know, who know you as... Uh, uh, what's his name? Filch? Filch. Argus Filch. Um, but Game of Thrones fan know him as Walder Frey. Um, he's in it. Um, Pierce Brosnan's in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I'm missing some some big like cameos. Oh, Bill Nighy's sort of in it, but I'm not going to say any more than that. Okay. Um, uh, so it was a, a fun movie. I'm really glad that I got to go see a movie at, at Comic-Con. Yeah. I, don't, I usually don't get to see any movies. Um and uh so that was a it was a fun time i definitely recommend seeing it but it's <coughs> it's not as good as hot fuzz which is not as good as Shaun of the dead which is not as good as scott pilgrim versus the world oh okay that's my ranking okay. <laughs> of edgar wright films and of course i've never seen fistful of fingers because almost no one has because i think he's very embarrassed of it he made it like 1995 hmm. and um, i've never seen a single episode of spaced Oh, I've seen I actually haven't seen the whole series, but I've watched Spaced and from what I understand of Community, Community is very much the sort of spiritual successor to Spaced. Oh, okay. In that much like the the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy films, um both Spaced and Community will occasionally just take on a new genre for the Yes. for an episode and just do an episode that way. Yes. Uh so yeah, Spaced is is fun. Okay. Um but yeah, I actually haven't seen the whole thing. Okay. Um, so that's Friday. Um, I went out after that. I met up with, um, uh, oh, who also came, I we forgot to mention that our friend Moises, who's been on the show, came to our, our meetup. Yeah, I wasn't expecting him to be there. It was nice to see him. I also wasn't expecting him to be mustacheless. I know. Um, but. Did not care for that. <laughs> really? Yeah. He was talking, I didn't talk to, the reason I didn't mention it at the meetup, because I didn't talk to him at all that night, uh, pretty much, other than a little bit at the end, but, um, he came and met up with me and Ryan, uh, and, um. And Angie Han again uh, after uh, not Han again, mm-hmm. Angie Han again after the world's end, and uh, so I got to hang out with Moises a little uh, Friday night. Mm-hmm. All right, you have anything to say on Friday? 
And uh, yeah, sure. You saw some stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, outside the convention, I uh, hung out with Josh most of the day, and uh, not most of the day. We hung out pretty much all day, um, and uh, a lot of the time was spent standing in lines and and walking around and that sort of thing. Uh, and one of the th- and so the three probably most notable things that we did. The first was we went. So there's a outside Petco Park. There was I don't remember the name of the area. It was it what well, it did have a name, but I don't remember what it was. But they have you know food trucks and they've got uh, you know tents and trailers and that sort of thing. And they had a big trailer for the movie Gravity. Okay, so you, I think you saw some of the same footage that probably I did. yes. And then so, did you get in the adult, adult Swim bounce castle? I did. Did you really? And I will talk about that in a moment. Oh, I didn't. I didn't think you would. So I thought it was being. Yeah, I decided to uh, branch out a little bit. I kept seeing it from a distance and being like, if I didn't have a bunch of other shit to do, yeah. I'd be over there getting that bounce castle. Yeah, it was the thing that took the most time, but I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, yeah, so we went in, and uh, it was so fascinating because when you go into the trailer for Gravity, you are not expecting to walk into. And when I say trailer, I mean literally it's a trailer. It's got wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so when you walk in, you are not expecting to enter a really nice, air-conditioned, well-furnished movie theater. <laughs> like, easily as cushy and comfortable as screening rooms you and I go to. And not not much smaller. And I, and I walked in and I was like, I'm immediately... I feel like something is going on here. Uh-huh. And I feel like mobile movie theaters is some kind of new thing that needs to happen. I don't know why, and I don't think it would actually be any kind of asset, but now that I know it's possible, it needs to happen. Um, and so uh, we watched the trailer. They gave us 3D glasses, so we watched the trailer in 3D. Oh, I didn't even get to do that. And it uh, looks like a good use of 3D. Any, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of 3D, mostly because I don't think it's used very well, but I did see... Um, Finding Nemo 3D, mm. and that along with something like this, I think because the nature of the environment is depth. Mm-hmm. You know, in you know, in Finding Nemo, it's the depths of the ocean, and there's something all around you, and you're just so. Uh, and then in Gravity, it's just the 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 deep reaches of space and that sort of thing. And so I feel like 3D was used very well uh, in the trailer, <clears throat> and. Then I saw a clip. Which which clip did you see? Uh, it starts. They're they're doing like a spacewalk and they're trying to fix a thing. And George mm-hmm. Clooney starts telling a story about Mardi Gras. Okay. Did you see this one? No, I only saw a clip. Uh, they said they were going to do another clip the next day, so come back. Okay. Uh, this one was just Sandra Bullock. She's trying to fix something, and then some kind of space debris is coming their way. And oh, it so starts I think to... you just saw a shorter version of my scene. Okay, probably the scene yeah. that I saw because that's the same scene. Yeah, and boy, man, oh man. So both the trailer and then that, the movie looks amazing, slash insanely stressful. Yeah, that's It a, looks so exhausting to I, me. Yeah, it's I like saw, open like, water. It reminded me of open water. <laughs> I, I saw maybe four minutes of footage tops uh, in the panel, and I was like, how am I going to sit through two hours of this? Yeah. Like, I, I, The trailer ends with that image of just a, a person in a spacesuit just just spiraling through yeah. space far away implying they are nowhere close to anywhere they will be safe. Yeah. They're just free I won't say falling but they're just just 
going through space. And you and that's the last image of the trailer. And you're just like, this is this is going to be so tiring. Mm-hmm. But I, it looks great. It looks yeah, so I engaging. I, I'm, I was very happy that I that I saw that. Um, and then uh, Josh and I walked through the little uh, Ender's Game thing in which okay. have, they have sets and costumes. And uh, I know nothing about Ender's Game except the weird thing about the uh, about Orson yeah. Scott Card, um, which is a recent, uh, somewhat recent development as far as – although he made comments a long time ago, but they've been coming to light recently, mostly because he insists on them coming to light. Like in, yeah. He's like, ah, oh, but if you'll see my earlier statement – um, right, but then he did the thing after after the Supreme Court thing where he was like, like it started to seem like he was being uh, conciliatory, like, all right, I guess I was wrong, you guys won't, but then said, now let's see if you will be tolerant of 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 me, of it's basically like which to- tolerate my intolerance is what which he's the, saying. There is there's an argument to be made for that. I see what he's saying. But it maybe was not the time or the place. Also, I don't think he's the person to say it. No. no I think no. someone else should step in and say, hey, <coughs> you know, after this, you know, after we, uh, you know, have more victories, uh, you know, maybe demonizing all the people who were uh, on the other side of this argument beforehand isn't the best way to move forward. Maybe we should try to see their humanity and try to show them the humanity in ourselves. That's something that I think very much should be said, but maybe not by the person who spent twenty years yeah, yeah. saying that gay people shouldn't be able to get married. Yeah, it's it was it's very strange. So and unf- and and I feel like that is really for many people eclipsing the film itself. And I knew I knew people back in school who read the book, loved it, and I mean it was it was almost this transformative experience having read it uh, for them. I I haven't read it, and uh, and so in looking at the. Um, and looking at the the sets and the art direction, the costumes and stuff, it seems interesting. I do not recall who directed it. I believe it's Gavin Hood. It is Gavin Hood. Okay, uh, I he did not see Satsi. Yeah, and and X Men Ren- Origin Wolverine. Yeah, and Rendition, which I did not like, and I hear X Men Origins Wolverine is terrible. And so part of me is like, okay, well, if anyone can ruin this, it sounds like this is the guy. <laughs> and so, uh, so I wasn't that interested in it, but it looks. From a visual standpoint, it looks pretty interesting. I just want to hear about the Pounce cast. <laughs> oh, you will. Don't worry. So, okay. And it's not it's not a bouncy house. It's a fun house that is inflatable. Oh, okay. All right. Or rather, the the external part of it is inflatable. Was it 21 and over? Did you have to show an ID? I feel like uh, I, I heard No, that. I don't think it was 21 okay. and over. Uh, but you had to stand in line to get a ticket. And so we stood in line for a long time, during which time we spoke with the... Uh, Kate Kulzik, who specifically came over so she could talk with Josh and myself. What what did we talk about? We talked about America. Uh, she, I, I, I specifically at, wanted to talk to her about that. I know, and she wanted to talk to me. Uh, I would just want to say, I love Kate. She mm-hmm. is awesome. And I feel really guilty that I didn't get to spend more time with her yeah. at Comic-Con. Because she was, one of my favorite parts about Comic-Con last year mm-hmm. was uh, getting to finally meet uh, Kate and and talked to her at length. We had you know uh, dinner with her and Ryan and Paul last year, mm-hmm. which was one one of my best Comic Con memories of last year. And I didn't get to spend that much time talking to Kate this year, uh, and it was and that's that's a bummer because she's she's one of the best, one of the best yeah. out there. We got to we got to spend a long time talking about politics, um, and she and I are I'd say diametrically opposed, but it was still a nice civil discussion. It's the kind of thing I like to have. It's the kind uh-huh. of conversation I like to have. Um, but anyway, so we were in line and, uh, so then, uh, Josh and I just, uh, we got our tickets and then we went and just kind of hung out 
And then we went back. Then it was another long line. Even though you have the tickets, there's another long line to get in. So we waited probably an hour and a half mm-hmm. to get into the uh, fun house. And every step of the way, it's just like, Josh was just like, I don't know if this is something I will enjoy. And I was like, I don't know if it's something I'm going to enjoy. <laughs> but uh, let's give it a shot. And then there was a guy, because it's Adult Swim related, there was a guy who hit, who was walking around dressed like Carl from uh, uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. That's he had fun. even shaved his head, uh-huh. his hairline to, to do that. And on top of that, he was just doing a really good vocal impression of, of the guy, um, the character. And so, uh, and then... I've that not, show was like my favorite thing for like three or four years. Yeah. And now I don't even think about it. It's still on. I don't think it's called... It's, Aqu- it's not called Aqua Teen Hunger Force anymore. What's it called now? I don't know. It's some weird... They've changed the name. I didn't know it was still on. That's interesting. Uh, and apparently uh, on... I've never seen a single episode of Metalocalypse, but there is a... Uh, like a, It's good music. There's a clown... Okay, like I, a, I haven't seen very much of it. Like a clown porn star or a rock star clown or something like that. So there was a guy dressed like that as well, and uh, that was disturbing um, because it uh, leaves nothing to the imagination bodily-wise. <laughs> and so um, anyway, uh, so when you first go in – and so like – so we get to the – we're getting to the front of the line, and uh, and in, and of course, before we get in, the clown walks in. And so it's just like, okay, so he's going to be in there. <laughs> All right, off we go. So uh, we go in and uh, – we see that everybody's that everyone that turns right immediately screams, and we're like, "Okay, we're going to turn left and uh-huh. see what happens." And uh, we are faced with somebody in a uh, in an animal mask and a robe, who then says, uh, "This is a dead end." They're very casual, <laughs> so it's just like, "Okay, well, that lessens the creepiness of it." And then you get, and so it's like, "Okay, let's turn right." We get hit with a big blast of air, and so it's like, "Oh, okay, that's that scream people are doing." And so then you keep you keep walking, and you just get into. There's there's one room that's like uh, all these neon rubber threads or whatever, and you have to like maneuver your way through it. <laughs> then there's a scene where you walk into the living room with the kitchen background of Aqua Teen Hunger Force with a giant master shake there, and you're like, oh, that's okay. And then you see the TV. Oh. You see the TV, and it's clear that the TV is actually, you look into it, and what is being quote-unquote broadcast is the next room. Uh-huh. And in the next room is a grown man wearing a diaper laying in a crib. <laughs> and we walk in just in time to see somebody, the, the person ahead of us, crawling through the TV over the man in the crib. Why? Because they want because that's how you get to the next room. Oh, that's what you had to do? Slow down. Okay. So we look at that and I, and I look at Josh and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like physically crawling over this grown man in a diaper. Uh-huh. I really don't want to do that. And so I turned to Master Shake and I was like, hey, is that the only way out of here? And the guy's like, oh, no, there's a door over here. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. So he, he leads. So then, so then you still wind up. So then you still wind up in that room, sure. but in a different way. And so I was like, okay, so now I don't have to physically interact with this man. Yeah. So that's fine. So then you keep going and, and, uh, and then you wind up in a hall of mirrors and Hey, there's that clown. That was, uh, I don't like that. <clears throat> and then there are three different ways to exit. Oh, it's one, like clue. The movie. It's like clue. The movie. Uh, one way you have to crawl out and you realize that you have crawled out from, and then you, you, 
you're exiting. You're now outside, mm-hmm. and uh, there's basically a giant pair of legs that you're crawling. So it's I like see. you're being birthed. Sure. Okay. The other one is you're just sliding down, and then the other one is you walk out into a cage that you are not allowed <laughs> to leave until you sing karaoke. Now, which one? Hold on. I'm, I'm, tell the story. Okay. So. Josh and I were saying is like we don't want to do that karaoke one. Oh, so you knew before? Yeah, yeah, because because the line circles around. You're just like, okay, I I see what's going on here. Oh, okay. Do, do we know which one is going to take us where we need to go? So thankfully, so we get through the Hall of Mirrors, and then thankfully, uh, the way we were gonna go, one of the people in animal animal masks is like, oh hey, we're uh, clo- that's the karaoke. We're closing that off for the time being. And we're like, ha ha, awesome. He's like, you just go out that way. So then it's like, hey, all right. So then we climbed up and we got to go down the slide. And it's a good thing too. What is that? It's just a slide? It's just a... There's uh, no like clever thing on the other side where you're sliding down a... No, no, no. You just uh, you just slide down and then you're out and everything's fine. Then you get to stand in line and you get a t-shirt. And so... Cool. Um, and you get to hear uh, awful, unfortunate... The unfortunate souls that went the karaoke route, and because how much karaoke do they have to do? Like a whole song? A whole song, <laughs> and and to my knowledge, they did not have Kenny Rogers the Gambler, so I would have been up a creek. Uh, and I think you you could choose from a handful of songs, and then the guy playing Carl went in and sang uh, "You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman." So uh, so that was a lot of fun. I was very happy I did it. It was creepy. I'm happy you did it, too. It was creepy as hell at times, but I spent a good portion of the time uh, laughing as well. Did you hand out any postcards this year? No, I didn't. Okay. If, and you know what? If Josh hadn't been there, I might have. Okay. Um, but I'll say this. This might be something to cut out. I'm not sure. So, um, Marking the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. But uh, so after all that, Josh, friend of the show – and writer for the show and a guest, uh, Kyle Anderson. We all went out to uh, to dinner. We went to a pizza place, and then I happened to. S- and then uh, so we're sitting and talking, and then Josh sees someone he knows, and he goes, "Zach, hey." And so uh, this guy Zach walks over, and Josh's like, "Hey, I'm Josh. We play frisbee together uh, every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, not every Saturday." The guy, and so and the guy's like, "Oh, that's right. Hey, how's it going?" And that's when I was like, "Oh, it's Zachary Levi." Um, oh wow! And because uh, I forgot, I knew that Josh knew him, and uh, and so they spoke very briefly, and then um, and then Zach assessed how busy the place was and opted not to uh, to eat there. So what he what place wa- was this? It was a, I don't remember that. Uh, um, hang on, Berkeley, like Berkeley Pizza or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so Is it just a little like yeah, a little hole in the wall. Okay, I think that's the place that used to. <clears throat> I, I think it's on Fifth. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of places around the corner off of Fifth that used to get taken over by Cartoon Network every year and be like Cartoon Network branded. Oh, okay. No, this is – no, this is uh, – and so uh, – but anyway, so this is the part that uh, I don't think should be cut out, but you never know. I'll have to I'll have to ask Josh. And so oh, – I think um, you're going to like talk shit about Zachary Levi. <laughs> no, no, not at all. He was a perfectly – he was a very nice guy and he, and also uh, and he shook my hand. And he's there at Comic-Con every year raising a shit ton of money yeah. um, with his uh, Nerd HQ thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, people should know about that. And he is also a uh, fairly well-known and outspoken Christian. And uh, so, uh, yeah, he's done a number of interviews. And so as he left, and of course, and you know this, because you and I have done it, uh-huh. which is someone shows up, and so Josh and I ex- exchanged quick glances, in which it's like, all right, 
we need to get this guy on the show. There's no question <laughs> about it. And so I reached into my bag to get my one of my more than one lesson cards. But by the time I got it, uh, he had pretty much left. And so I said to Josh, like, hey, should I go after him? And Josh is like, ah, I don't know about that. I was like, could you go after him? <laughs> and he says, yeah, all right. So he, he ran out and he and so it was Josh's first instance. And of course, he do, he doesn't know him socially. So that was that. Was, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was good. But not incredibly well. Not so much so that like. When Zach saw him immediately, he was like, oh, I know who you are. Um, but uh, but yeah. And so and then when when Josh came back, because I, I for whatever reason, I happen to know that like Josh always has like one more than one lesson card that's just like folded and faded in his <laughs> wallet. And I said, did you give him that folded just crappy card? He goes, no. Anticipating this. I brought a whole stack of more than, <laughs> of more than one lesson business cards with me. And I was like, aha, he's a podcaster now. So it was, very, it was a very exciting time. Um, so well, it remains to be seen if uh, if he'll be on the show. When we get to Sunday, there's going to be an instance in which you'll be very disappointed in me. Oh, okay. Because I didn't ask someone to be on the show. No, well, it's too late for that. Um, but the the situation was just not right for it. Well, that's the fine. Uh, that's fine. I mean, I I walked past uh, Bill Paxton, who was it was who was by the way everywhere at Comic Con this week. <laughs> he was like, yeah, he was at the World's End screening. He'll, okay, we'll talk about him more on Saturday. Yeah, but he was just walking by. There were no, there was nobody around. I absolutely could have stopped him, mm-hmm. but I uh, I opted not to because you know uh, after a while you do develop something of an instinct and you know when the time isn't right. Yeah. Um, you go ahead and start and start talking. Oh, there's so much stuff you're gonna want to hear, though. I have to go to the bathroom. All right, I well, just I just drank a whole propel. I've drank. I've had plenty of water myself. You don't see me uh, ducking out. Sorry. All right, so uh, I'll I'll start talking about Saturday, um, which started off first. Okay, that was the day that I got in line at five thirty in the morning because I knew that the day before the people I um, who were holding a spot had gotten in line at five forty-five and just barely didn't make it. And so I was actually aiming a little earlier than 5.30. I wasn't really trying to cut it that close. But, uh, you know, sometimes things take a little longer. So I got into line at 5.30 in the morning for a 10.45 first panel and just barely squeaked in. Uh, it's um, it's it's insane. Uh, but we've already been over this part. Um, but the first panel was Warner Brothers, um, which was – they had about – two and a half hours because they had a whole lot of stuff that they wanted to show um i'm not going to spend too long talking about all of that i think the first thing was seventh son which is a um goofy sort of sword and sorcery type of movie with uh jeff bridges doing a really weird voice and then like there's giant monsters and uh it all looked very um not interesting, not very distinct. It didn't look like it had much of a personality of its own. Um, although uh, uh, Julian Moore is in it, so I guess that's a Big Lebowski team up. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. The next thing would be, uh, as I mentioned before, the Lego movie, um, which is directed by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who who previously did um, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and the less successful 21 jump street but uh i I think animation is where these guys belong because the lego movie looks like so much fun absolutely but you you agree that the lego Uh, movie yeah when i saw a trailer for it i i i thought like what the hell is this and then i saw it Uh and i didn't know who made it right so i just thought like this seems like 
a horrible misfire, like just bef- not knowing anything about it. And right. then I saw the trailer, I was like, actually, this looks pretty good. And then when I found out the Cloudy with a Chance Meatball guys, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And this, the thing this could be cool, pretty entertaining because there's like animated on like um, I don't know if it's Cartoon Network or what, but there's like Lego branded animated shows, but they're just like computer animation that like is roughly in the shape of legos but they're not yeah. actually animated with legos whereas the lego movie is a mix of stop motion and cgi but even with the cgi other than like facial expressions there's like nothing that you couldn't technically physically do with legos yeah like with stop motion like everything when the, the ocean is legos the clouds are legos everything everything on screen is a lego that's awesome um and also it has all sorts of uh, you know, it has uh, Will Arnett as Lego Batman. It has um, Morgan Freeman, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it has. Uh, this is what I what I put on Twitter is like this is a cool thing that I never could have guessed I wanted to see. But it's uh, Kobe Smolders as the voice of Lego Wonder Woman. Okay, uh, I'm a big fan of Kobe Smolders from uh, from How I Met Your Mother, um, who's apparently going to be on the Agents of Shield show. Yeah. Um, even though How I Met Your Mother is, there's one overlap there between the last season of of Himium, as my ex, ex co-host Sean used to call it, and the first season of Shield. Um, anyway, uh, that's not that's not the point. But uh, it looked like it was. Um, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm ex- I, I was excited before I saw any of the fe- footage because of Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I'm I'm. Uh, I'm in the corner for those guys. I'm in the tank for those guys when it comes to animation. I still have my problems with 21 Jump Street. Um, I think the best parts of it are the parts like the uh, drug trip out scenes with that rely on animation type stuff or yeah. like visual, you know, graphics and stuff. Uh, anyway, so um, God, you know, I should have written this down. There was so much in this panel that uh, like that I feel like I'm going to forget something. Uh, but let's move on to Godzilla. Now, I was not a fan of Pacific Rim. Right. But, uh, and, and, you know, if I'd been in Hall H a year ago when there was Pacific Rim stuff, I might have been singing the same tune, like, this looks awesome. But the Godzilla footage looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from uh, Gareth Edwards, who made Monsters. Right. Um, and did you did you like Monsters? I did. I yeah, did. I did, too. Um, but, it, you know, that's not really a monster movie, really. You know, it's a... Right. There's monsters in it, but it's not that kind of movie at all. Whereas the footage they showed here, which um, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to, you know, if it's supposed to be secret, but it's, you know, it's, uh, the general premise of the footage is that it's a, another mon- non-Godzilla monster is like destroying the city and then Godzilla shows up and it's like, all right. And then that's like <laughs> the end of the footage. Um it's uh, you know it gets it's more than that there there's just like some really inventive stuff there's one part um where the monster the non Godzilla monster picks up like a train or something which they always pick up trains yeah. they like to pick up trains um and throws it at the airport right so the train hits the train car hits the tarmac and explodes a plane which is sitting on the tarmac which causes the next plane to explode, which causes the next plane to... So it's this domino effect of mm-hmm. planes exploding. And the way the shot is done is the camera is inside the airport terminal with those big glass windows, yeah. and it's tracking. It's like a on a dolly, like, tracking the camera. 
as each like plane is exploding and then in the foreground it's just people like losing their shit and trying to yeah. run away is a super awesome shot. Yeah, oh, man. Um, and I don't feel like Pacific Rim had very many things that were that inventive. It had yeah. a couple things, so that's why I'm cautious that they could have just shown us like the one cool thing in Godzilla. Um, because that's Pacific Rim essentially showed us the one one of the two cool things at WonderCon. <laughs> so, um. Uh, I'll, I'll, I remain skeptical, but at the moment, because I, you know, it's Comic Con, I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, I forgot to mention my holy, sh- my like nerd moment yesterday, which is as much as I don't want the RoboCop movie to be a carbon copy. The footage they showed ended with "Dead or Alive, You're Coming with Me," and I was like, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then Gravity, which I, I don't know what else to say really, because we just, I feel like we talked about it, you know, what the footage is and how incredibly tense. That, that's the main thing that I take away from it is that it is just incredibly tense. Yeah. Um, you know? Um, and then I also like in panels when, um, people bring up stuff that like is not at all for the Comic-Con crowd. And so Alfonso Cuaron was talking about Robert Bresson and a man escaped in the, uh, <laughs> and you know, not exactly uproarious applause, uh, during that section, but it was, it was interesting. Who um, was at the panel? It was Alfonso Cuaron and Sandra Bullock and not George, not George Clooney. Okay. I can't remember who else. Um, was Sandra Bullock, uh, delightful. Of course. She's Sandra Bullock. She's the best. Um, and then what I really want to talk about as much as I'm, I'm on the fence about the movie is a movie called Edge of Tomorrow, which was until recently called All You Need Is Kill. Okay, um, I, had heard, I have heard of that. And uh, so they, they basically started by essentially by showing the footage, which was um, the premise is uh, it's essentially like sci-fi action Groundhog Day, where Tom Cruise is like a soldier who keeps getting killed in a battle and then waking up the day of the battle and going and fighting and getting killed in the battle again. Hmm. Um but he, like no one knows what's happening to him, and then eventually, like uh, um, Emily Blunt, like starts to realize something, and he has to like meet her again every day, and like <coughs> get her to help him, whatever's going on. Um, and it just seemed kind of bland the footage they showed. But then in the panel discussion, it came out that it was written by Christopher McQuarrie. Okay, which is always of interest. Oh, to I me. just saw I, I saw Jack Reacher uh, the other day. Did you like it? I liked it quite a bit. Awesome. I would venture to say I loved it. Oh, good. Um, and they also talked in the panel, something that wasn't in the footage at all, talked at length about the comedy mm-hmm. element of the movie, which is, again, not, it, if you were to see this footage, it would just look like a really generic sort of bland action sci-fi movie. Okay. Um, so I'm definitely, I was intrigued, I'm more intrigued than I was based on the footage, but that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is like, look, just like m- many other people, I have my problems with Scientology and, and, and some of the stories about like, um, the way that Tom Cruise has had, you know, potential girlfriends and wives selected for him and all those rumors and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it, it does creep me out. That aside, Tom Cruise is like the most likable person in the whole world. Yeah. Uh, when he's in a situation like this, cause he comes out, I think it might've been his first comic con, although it doesn't sound right. Cause I feel like he would have been there for like minority report or like something, you know, he does a lot of sci-fi. Um, yeah, I feel like oblivion last year might've been, but I don't think it was there. I don't think it was. Um, <coughs> but, uh, he, uh, so he comes out, Chris Hardwick is moderating the panel. Okay. And so immediately, like, Chris Hardwick brings, you know, brings out, you know, his, uh, um, 
the director, and here's Emily Blunt, and here's Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise comes out. And the first thing Tom Cruise says is, he looks at Chris Hardwick, who they have not met before. They didn't, like, meet backstage, because Tom Cruise mm-hmm. has ever... Chris Hardwick has been moderating this panel for two hours at this point. Uh, so Tom Cruise immediately says, you and I have something in common. They both played Stacey Jack. Yeah, Chris Hardwick, because that didn't occur to Chris Hardwick. He was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm unaware of this, but I can't wait to find out. And he's like, Stacey Jacks. And Chris Hardwick... I love just seeing people nerd out, and he was like, "Oh my god, you know about that!" And like, he was just having a total like like. I felt so like happy for Chris Hardwick that he yeah. had this awesome like uh, geeky fanboy moment. So they ran over like gave himself a high five, and then Tom Cruise just starts singing. I want to know what love is. Starts singing Foreigner, <laughs> and so he like, uh, you know, it's. I've been up you know since four o'clock in the morning at this point and i'm watching tom cruise and chris hardwick duet on a foreigner song <laughs> uh which is so much fun and then they talk about the movie but then tom cruise says well you know who's in the movie who's here in the room is bill paxton because bill paxton wasn't on the panel i i feel like bill paxton was like like showed up at comic-con and no one knew he was going to be there and so he just like kept getting pulled into things um yeah maybe he just wanted to go to comic-con yeah i, remember I think if- he also did the nerd hq thing like unexpected because um, I remember a few years ago, Jen and I were walking the, the floor, and uh, there was uh, John Cryer and his kid. He was not there for any official reason. He was there with his kid to enjoy Comic-Con, which awesome. I think is kind of awesome. Um, so he just like pulls Bill Paxton up, and then uh, Chris Hardwick joked that Tom Cruise might be the only person who would get away with doing this. Uh, as soon as Bill Paxton sits down, Tom Cruise starts going, Chet! Chet! <laughs> and then starts like prompting bill paxton to say lines from weird science and then prompting him to say game over yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and tom cruise is like having his, his like nerd moment even though he and bill paxton are clearly like friends yeah he's like he thought it was awesome like that he's got t- bill paxton saying game over right there and it was obviously awesome for the entire crowd yeah uh and so th- i guess this is like what comic-con is capable of i am like 10 times more interested in edge of tomorrow yeah because it was such a blast <coughs> to be at that panel um and now you know i feel like i'm missing something from Warner Brothers because it was so uh, such a long uh um panel when did, when did they but, announce uh well that, that that, i'm Superman. getting i'm getting okay, there you, you just spoiled it um oh sorry uh there's yeah there's little things that aren't and like aren't announced in these long panels sometimes mm-hmm. and there there wasn't one in sony but there was like rumors that maybe they're going to bring out the fantastic forecast you know which hasn't been announced yet that didn't happen at sony but warner brothers had i guess two things that were not announced that were just little things are they making a fantastic four movie yeah they're sony's remaking fantastic oh. four um have they they haven't announced who the cast is i don't think they have okay vin no. diesel's got to be the thing right oh maybe i don't motherfucker know. looks just like the thing. <laughs> but there's <laughs> there's rumors i think that michael b jordan might be the flash is that his name flash the human torch uh, yeah, Flash is the guy who runs. Human Torch is the guy on fire. And they're not both in Fantastic Four? No. Okay. They're, Human one Torch is Marvel, been... one is DC. <laughs> I don't know this stuff. I know. I know the Flash on the TV show was played by an actor named John Wesley Shipp. Yes, that's true. Um, Why do you know that? <laughs> cause, uh, because of the best show on WFMU. Okay. Um, all right, so Human Torch, whichever one it is that Chris Evans played. <coughs> I've heard rumors that Michael B. Jordan... Might be playing him. Okay. Um. Anyway, so the two things that were unannounced, one was kind of was spoiled if you are on Twitter, um, and also spoiled just now by by Tyler. Sorry. But the the earlier one that I don't think was announced was the Warcraft World of Warcraft movie, um, which 
based on the reaction of people both in the room and on Twitter who were into World of Warcraft, it was cool. I thought it was really stupid. It was just like a guy in sort of like uh, he had you know his shield and sword. Mm-hmm. Or no, he didn't have a shield. That's <coughs> that's important. He's got his loin loincloth and sword or whatever, and he's like stumbling through this desert wasteland, you know, and he like finds a canteen or something on the ground and like takes it, and then he sees a shield. Uh, uh, on a skeleton, you know, mm-hmm. a person who's been dead a long time. That's what a skeleton is. <laughs> I to say yeah. that he takes the shield. <laughs> That's really what a skeleton is. It's just someone who's been dead longer than someone who's been dead and isn't a skeleton. Um, so he picks it up, and then we like, got to bring this show to a close because you're starting to get a little punchy. Uh, the camera sort of pans around very slowly, like revealing what's in front of him. And you realize that, uh, like, oh, he's not just walking; he's getting ready to do battle with this giant monster thing mm. and then essentially the monster like screams and they run at each other and that was and it was like warcraft so you know i have nothing to say about it because i don't know anything about warcraft yeah this is one but, of those this is gonna be one of those things where i sound too dismissive when i say uh-huh. i don't give a shit about that i just I, if they incorporate the leroy jenkins thing do you know the Leroy I do know Jenkins, about the Leroy Jenkins. I know is like 10 years old at this point, but yeah. still every once in a while I'll go back and watch it because it's so much fun <laughs> to me. And the, what's fun about it, if you, I, I, I imagine most of the listeners have watched it, but what's fun about the Leroy Jenkins thing to me is not as much as I love the guy who is Leroy who screams yeah. Leroy Jenkins and ruins everybody's plan. It's the other guy who like is doing all the like, very like okay guys let's do this yeah yeah doing the planning at the beginning and then he gets mad at Leroy and then like the last thing in the shot is him going god damn it Leroy (laughs) (laughs) so if they can incorporate Leroy Jenkins into the Warcraft movie then uh, here's uh, what fascinates uh, me about that clip (laughs) is that he goes Leroy you know he says it he runs and Jenkins (laughs) so he everything about it just seems like something Adam Sandler would scream but anyway uh so he runs in, and then I guess they feel like they need to back him up. Yeah, they don't just like leave so him up they there. all go into a horrible slaughter. <laughs> they all get killed, <laughs> so that they can back up this total moron. Yeah, uh, I mean he's not a moron. He's uh, maybe the smartest person I've ever met. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's just uh... and to okay. a certain extent, part of me is like, oh wow, look at that. That's loyalty. Yeah. Damn it, Leroy. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, and then the final thing is like they bring out uh, they bring out Zack Snyder, who was not announced to be there, and he has <laughs> he can I, you know I'm sure he can direct movies. Obviously, he can listen to our episode to decide whether or not he's good at directing movies. But um, not good at public speaking. This guy because yeah. the only thing he has to do is say, we have a surprise for you. Here's Harry Lennox to give you a clue as to what it is. Hey, Harry Lennox. How long did that take me? Six seconds, right? If that. He he talked for like five minutes. And uh, even Chris Harwick was like, come on, like get to it. So he brings out Harry Lennox. He's like, here's Harry Lennox to give you a clue as to what this is. And then Harry Lennox reads the dialogue from Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, which is like, you know, um, I can't remember word for word, but it's like, I want you to remember me, Clark. I want you to remember my hand on your throat. I want you to remember the one man who beat you. Mm-hmm. And then the Superman logo comes up on the screen, and the Batman logo fades in behind it. And it had been spoiled that morning on Twitter by um, LA Times Hero Complex. I don't know if they were supposed to, oh, okay. but they had, like, let it out. So I knew for hours that this is, was being announced, but I still love that 
a lot of the people there either didn't know or were still so excited anyway just to see the two locos in the same place yeah. that they lost their minds so that was fun yeah, I don't care about that either. Oddly enough, I like Batman, and I'm I, Superman's fine. But oddly well, enough, in that moment, don't get me wrong. I'm sure I would have gotten swept up in the emotion. Yeah. But I actually just don't care much about that. And uh, I'm very excited uh, so, that uh, Harry Lennox was there because uh, you know, because of uh, Titus. Yes. So Christopher Nolan obviously is still involved, right? Because yeah. he was the producer um, of Man of Steel. But this is not. It's not going to be Christian Bale. I mean, they haven't announced it, but right. Uh, and it would be not. And also, if you haven't, I don't know if it's been shown the actual like logo they showed. The version of the Batman logo in this thing, that, this little teaser thing they showed, was very distinctly not the version of the Batman yeah. logo that we saw in the Christian Bale movies, which is which is jagged and and symmetrical, right uh, across the board. Which it was, whereas this is the one that sort of turns down at either end. Oh, okay. You know. Anyway. Yeah, it's uh, that to me, and and who knows? Maybe it will be Christian Bale. You never know. Um, but that, but to me, unless you're going to get the a- the actor that we have come to identify as Batman for the last eight years, uh-huh. and and the filmmaker that reinvigorated the bat the the world of Batman, just after after it just seems like it'd be. Even if they brought uh, Henry uh, Cavill or Cavill back, who makes a good Superman, I'm I sure think. they will bring him. back. Yeah, like he's like, oh, that's great. And there's this other guy too. Uh-huh. I guess there's that because at that point, then you're not on equal footing. Then there's the guy we know to be Superman and a guy that I guess we're going to have to get used to as Batman. Yeah. So it's going to be. Uh, I don't know. It does seem like um, I'm not the first person to mention this <coughs> um, during. The Sony panel, uh, when when Spider Man came up, uh, and during the upcoming Fox panel, when we're talking about X Men, uh, and even in the conversations about, and obviously what they're doing with like trying to meld these two superheroes together, the the undercurrent of everything superhero movie at Comic Con was the Avengers. Yeah, it it was um, that that was everything was compared against that either like literally or you know obviously under the surface. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was really amazing to see just how often in panels, both days that I was in Hall H, the Avengers came up in panels that weren't Marvel. Well, and that's the thing is it's because... Or weren't Marvel Studios. Not merely the movie The Avengers, but the phenomenon of it, of a number of individual movies leading up to yeah. this big thing. And it's just... I mean, we, you and I... I remember you and I talked about it on the Paul Goebel show a long time ago. That's like, there really hasn't been another thing like this yeah no one else has done this yeah like ever in film history where there's this thing that everybody knows about that can be divided up into separate parts and is that and it's not assumed there's going to be this larger thing you know when iron man came out nobody assumed there was going to be uh the avengers until uh, the end until the very end yeah you know but nobody went into that film with that assumption yeah and so like and just and it's this nice long-term thing. They just, like, rolled it out slowly but surely. And, uh, and yeah, and every time people talk about, you know, a Justice League movie or Superman and Batman, it's just like, man, DC just does not have its shit together. It's going to take ten years to yeah, make that happen. They're clearly rushing it. Yeah. Here, yeah. Because they're trying to capture that thing. And yeah. And in trying to, 
they're not going to do it and it's just going to seem rushed and it's going to seem false yeah i agree um let's we can burn through Lionsgate because i don't care about i frankenstein unless you want to make fun of i frankenstein for a while do you know anything about it i i can picture the image of uh aaron eckhart as frankenstein's monster which oh well if you listen if you were there at the panel oh, okay. um they repeatedly refer to him as frankenstein not yeah. frankenstein's monster that's frustrating yes um and was yeah. aaron eckhart there uh i don't even remember i think he was <laughs> I got up and went and got some food. Like okay. after the footage, I was like, "This is uh, this looks awful. It looks like Underworld." Which I know there are Underworld fans, but you know, um, Underworld is vampires versus werewolves. This is demons versus gargoyles, and then somehow a Frankenstein gets <laughs> <laughs> gets mixed up in things. <coughs> and yeah, it just looks. You weren't here. That you had stepped out when I was talking about Seventh Son, but uh, in this case as well, it just seems like it has no personality of its own. This movie, yeah. So, not unlike Frankenstein's monster uh, itself uh, or himself, uh, it is made up of other movies. Yeah, I can't wait to write my review of I Frankenstein, which will just be a belabored metaphor about like patching together pieces oh, yeah. of other movies to yeah. make this. Um, uh, My, no, I, title I, monstrosity. Yeah, uh, obviously the movie could be amazing. Uh, I don't. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, um, and then the second thing for Lionsgate was the Hunger Games Catching Fire, which I was um, excited to be there for. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely like um, all the. Uh, uh, I like. I, I normally am not a big fan of kids, but uh, I like when there's a panel at Comic Con that's like that where kids get to up and ask questions and so a lot of the fan base for i mean not the hunger games fans aren't like necessarily eight or nine though some of them are mm-hmm. um but they're still like younger people and I, I i like seeing young people be nerdy and well and and the idea that the like fold. the fact that this is ostensibly for these people mm-hmm. and the rest of us are just sort of tagging along yeah yeah uh it's just like oh yeah that's a nice reminder um, but I'll say that, uh, you know, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence is, I know that she's charming. Everyone thinks she's charming. Um, I don't know what else to say. I don't want to be mean. I'm not a big fan of her in interviews and stuff. She just seems, I don't know. Uh, I don't like all the like bodily fluid and body, body humor stuff that she talks about. Like, you never see her. Yeah, it's just, it just seems like she's like she just seems very vulgar, and I know that a lot of people find that very like relatable. Oh, she's not like you know, she's not like uh, she's just fa- like us. She, yeah, she makes she, vulgar jokes. Yeah, she hasn't been fabricated to the point of like always being on like her publicist message or whatever. And I do yeah. like that, but it's just like, <laughs> does it have to be always about like snot and farts and stuff? There is a, I think there is a genuine quality to her and maybe that's just yeah, where yeah. she chooses to go. But I remember really liking like when she won her Oscar and she goes up and she tripped and then there is the standing ovation. She's like, you guys are all just standing because I tripped. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, like it, just calling yeah. attention to this thing and basically in doing so calling out the inherent phoniness of the Oscars. Yeah. They're like this standing ovation is that's one right. that you didn't feel I didn't earn, but you're doing it to cover <laughs> the real life coming in here. It's funny. They actually mentioned that in the panel came up because um, uh, the moderator asked her like, what was, which is a dumb question to this is a dumb question. He asked what was her favorite outfit that she got to wear in the movie, which is kind of, it's just, you wouldn't, uh, probably wouldn't ask that of a male. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe I understand that the hunger games world, like when you get into the, the capital, like there are, uh, you know, outfits that are 
I don't know, extravagant. Yeah. So I understand, but it still is a little weird to pick out the star of the movie who's like giving this awesome performance and is playing like this, uh, you know, representation of the, you know, uh, downtrodden working class and yeah. uh, and ask her what was her favorite thing that she got to wear. But she was saying there was this one dress, but she was like, it was hard to walk in. And she was like, and you all know, I, I have trouble walking in dresses to begin with. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of funny. Um, and uh, she and uh, Josh Hutcherson are clearly besties. Oh, good. Um, they had fun uh, just messing with each other. But the footage, um, I'd say the one thing I was looking for, the the, the footage that would descend, you know, there was a time I felt like at Comic-Con when I would go to these movie panels, I keep saying the word footage, mm-hmm. where they would show, like, here's a clip of a scene. Right. Now... It, it's much more common that they edit together an extended trailer for Comic Con, right. so it's much more polished, and I don't like that um, because I feel like watching a scene, I get a much better feel for what a movie's going to be like than yes. watching a trailer, which can be manipulated. Uh, so that is kind of a complaint, and my my biggest complaint with the the Catching Fire um, extended trailer was that the one thing I went in there looking for was. What is Francis Lawrence going to do that looks different than what Gary Ross did? Right. And I felt like the trailer was so, like, cut to like, you know, spliced up and cut together that I didn't really get a feel for any visual style, uh, uh, other, you know, that, that would be uh, distinct from Gary Ross's. Yeah, I feel like, uh, based on what, what you've told me and maybe s- clips here and there that I've seen, um, like, for example, the clip that I saw from The Wolverine, I got a good sense. Of the type of I wish action. I'd been there yeah. because they didn't show a clip at in my in in the at the Fox thing they showed an extended trailer yeah and, and they gave away I mean, it's a PG thirteen movie right mm-hmm. so they gave away the one scene where he says fuck oh okay I didn't in, know that. in the extended trailer oh okay huh that's he said he says go fuck yourself pretty boy hmm. I don't like I don't like swear words. Although you know what, it was used very well in first in X Men First Class. It really was. Um, I didn't like the movie that much, but it was a yeah. good use. But uh, but the um, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. Where it's just like, no, we're we're here so that we can get kind of the inside scoop. And by doing this trailer, you're it's just like, oh, okay, it's a longer thing than what everyone else has seen, and it's you just hyping it some more. Mm-hmm. As opposed to getting us, gen- giving us an actual look at this thing. Yeah, you know, I completely. Yeah. Which is w- totally what I felt because I wasn't remarkably, I, as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the year, the Wolverine was a film that I was cautiously intrigued by, based mm-hmm. on the writer and the director. Um, and that clip, I'm like, oh, well, I see the type of action they're going to do now, and this is very exciting. That clip sold the movie to me more so than any trailer I had seen. See, I yeah, and I wish they would do more clips. I remember like when I was there for um, a, a couple of years ago um, for Haywire, they showed the entire the, the entire Gina Carano, Carano Michael Fassbender fight Ooh, scene. Yeah, that that would sell it to me. Yeah, that that and uh, exactly as it ended up appearing <coughs> in the film, and um, uh, you know, I remember what, yeah, and for Super, which might have been the same year. They showed the entire like the uh, movie line, movie line yeah. cutting scene. Yeah. Um, and you yeah, still haven't I, seen Super, have I you? I still haven't. Oh boy, um, it's on Netflix now. Okay, uh, but let's move on to Fox. I don't have that much to say about it because we've already talked about the Wolverine. Yeah, um, I already talked about the fact that the entire 
um, Days of Future Past cast was there, mm-hmm. um, which is impressive. Was Brian Singer there? Um, yeah, Brian Singer was there. Okay. Um, and yeah, you name them, they were there. Uh, and it was, you know, there were some fun stuff. I think Ian McKellen probably had um, one of my favorite things where he was... Uh, Sounds he, about right. Well, he said, uh, he's like, I, uh, I feel safe here in California now that you've gotten rid of Proposition 8, so I'm here looking for a husband. Uh, it's nice to meet you, Michael. Uh, <laughs> which, first thing you think, have they really not met before? <laughs> they're in the movie, I, but I guess they wouldn't have scenes together. Yeah, that's true. they're in different times. So maybe they did just meet at, at Comic-Con. Um, but also it's weird, like Magneto hitting on Magneto, uh, is very odd. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to that. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I don't know, like, I don't know how to talk about it without sounding like I'm being dismissive because I don't want to be dismissive, but the X-Men just isn't a thing for me. And you know what? It was a thing for me when I was growing up Mm -hmm. X-Men and Wolverine specifically. That is what I, those were the comics I read. I was not a DC person. I was a Marvel person and specifically X-Men. And so I was very uh, excited when the first one came out and then the second one came along and I thought it was amazing. Third one, who gives a shit? Um, (laughs) Actually, no, I gave quite a bit of a shit because uh, they really screwed some things up. I didn't even... The press was so bad for X-Men Origins Wolverine, I couldn't even be bothered to see it. But it's just one of those things like... it, they, They need to... It's weird. I never thought I would advocate for a reboot. They need to reboot it. Well, like they need to stop using this stuff. Let me say this about the, again, extended trailer. Um, now, I don't remember seeing trailers for First Class because I tend to avoid trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, but my And I never saw Last Stand. But my understanding is that Last Stand has a less serious feel to it than the first two. Uh, at times, that, yeah. Because um, with, the, with the extended trailer they showed... I definitely felt like I was back into the world of Brian Singer X Men. Like it mm-hmm. felt very serious, yes, and like somber, and, yes, and, and occasionally on the nose. Um, but even like, given that this spans a lot of different time with the time travel and stuff, it also felt very epic. Um, yeah. Which I don't know that we've seen an epic uh, X Men film before, right? Um, and, and so, uh, I, I'll say this: if I were more into this franchise, I would be probably optimistic about days of future past. And I think maybe it's, it's that the franchise has been between last stand and X-Men origins and then first class being okay. Um, I think it's just been kind of diluted at this point. And now I'm whatever excitement I might've had. It's like, I can't even really get that excited about Brian Singer coming back Mm. because he's not the draw for me that he used to be. Right. And then the other thing at Fox was Dawn of the Rise of the Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, oh, okay. which was, I felt like they they clearly wanted to get to the X-Men and Wolverine stuff, and so it yeah. was over really quickly. There was, the, uh, it wasn't, it, the, the trailer, I guess, they should, was essentially just a, uh, a teaser, because um, <coughs> they're like still shooting, and I don't think a lot of effects are finished, yeah. and um, as Matt Reeves, the director um, of this one, he was talking about how long it takes to render any shots with apes in them hmm. um and so they didn't have much to show i will say i love that um uh that actors who are not huge stars elsewhere uh get like crazy huge reactions um at comic-con so when matt reeves brought out andy circus oh yeah it was like it was like a heart top had walked on stage like there was a girl behind me who was literally like ah! 
Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like she was seeing, I'm trying to think who a heartthrob is. Justin Bieber? I don't know. Sure. That sounds right. I guess. Um, yeah. It reminds me of uh, back when I would uh, hand out, uh, you know, postcards and stuff. Uh-huh. And, you know, in some places I would emphasize like a Stephen Tobolowsky or something like that, that people that have been on the show. Uh, when I would do it at Comic-Con, I'd be like, Maurice the Marsh, Doug Jones, because <laughs> and and that would get people's attention. Yeah, like you just gotta know, you gotta know your audience. Yeah. Oh man, you're gonna be so mad at me for not talking to the person on Sunday, but I really couldn't. I'm I'm already getting mad. Um, I I really couldn't. Maybe I'll try and <coughs> contact this person on Twitter and say, hey, I was you know next to you or whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's Fox. Let's move on to Marvel. Um, Criminally. Which was the final thing. Yeah. Um, and they they went all out. Okay. All that I'm was sure. announced for Marvel was Thor the Dark World and Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah. Which, uh, so the Marvel panel starts with Tom Hiddleston as Loki giving a sort of variation on his speech that he gives to the people in Germany in the Avengers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but this one specifically, like, making reference to, like, waiting in line all day and like <laughs> huddling together in the dark and like making comic-con type reference hall age type references oh yeah that's another thing i want to talk about real quick sidebar okay. i don't like in the panels how often hall h is referred to as opposed to referring to comic-con like actors saying like um you know it's great to be here in hall h or whatever i don't oh, like okay. i don't like the branding of hall h as a thing separate than comic-con yeah. it seems weird to me um hmm. Like, is it going to branch off at some point where it is just a separate ticketed event? Uh, it does sort of seem like that. Yeah. It's like there's Comic-Con and then there's, like, the VIP. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I would I would hate to see that, although maybe that would make the lines better. Um, anyway, uh, so Tommy Hiddleston comes out and does his little speech, <coughs> and then they show an extended trailer for Thor the Dark World which uh totally got me I have to admit Oh okay. Um cuz uh, the trailers so far have not really impressed me. Uh I haven't seen any so I don't know but like the stuff I liked about Thor was the Asgard stuff and like it looks like this movie is almost entirely off yeah. off earth. Yeah. Um and so I was definitely excited about that um and it uh, again okay is something that shows up in a trailer at comic-con a spoiler i don't know if i can say what happened at the end of this footage um because it seems like a big fucking deal but it also seems like something that marvel is you know okay with us knowing about yeah go ahead all right so spoilers for thor the dark world the last shot of the footage is thor and loki fighting thor reaches out his hand to have his hammer come to him and the hammer is yeah. flying through there towards him loki does his like relocating thing grabs thor by the arm and cuts off his hand huh <laughs> that was like the last shot like uh-huh. i don't know if they can you know, i don't know if he's a god he can like regenerate i don't know if there's a way around that yeah but like that's what i saw like i feel like i feel like they can't do that and yet i'm certain that i talked to other people about it afterwards like that just happened right hmm. um so that's a pretty big deal yeah Right? Thor getting his hand cut off? Yeah. Okay. We can stop saying it, though. Yeah. Because we're past the spoiler. All right. By Loki. All right. Um, right off. And then there is the uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which is a much longer panel. They actually had people there talking about it. Um, and you've not seen Captain America, I didn't America, see right? Captain America, so I don't really know what to say about this. I don't know. It. Um, I'll say the 
you know, obviously it takes place now and not yeah. back in old Captain America times because it's chronological. Mm-hmm. So it felt visually it, it seemed of a piece with the Avengers. Okay. Um, and on a scale, I mean, like there was some huge effects type stuff in in, in there. Um, but this one actually the the I guess extended trailer did start off with a full scene, a full fight scene. So this okay. gave us a good. Uh, um, a better impression, uh, and it was a good fight scene. It was Captain America fighting like ten guys in an elevator. Oh wow! And it's an elevator, like on on the outside of the building. So like the scene, the scenery behind you is like you're seeing, you know, you're like twenty five stories up or something. Yeah. And, he, and he's fighting, and then they're like, they know obviously he's su- he's got the superhuman strength, so they've got these like super magnetic cuffs that are trying to handcuff him to the wall. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and so there's one part where his right hand is handcuffed to the wall, and he's like fighting off all these dudes. It was pretty That's cool. Pretty good. Who, who's who's directing? Uh, it's um, the brothers who worked on Community, the Russo brothers. I can't remember okay. their all first right. names. I don't recall. Um, but yeah, it's the Russo brothers. Okay. Uh, and then yeah, it goes on, but it does, and it does seem like sort of like um, um, like RoboCop. It does seem to have some. Uh, something a little more uh, urgent and immediate in its in its message or what it's exploring because the mm-hmm. idea is um that Captain America is not used to a world where the threats are are as insidious or as sneaky or or um what's what I'm looking for there's not as much espionage and stuff where yeah. he comes from uh and so he finds out some stuff that shield is doing that he thinks is you know essentially um punishing people before they've had a chance to commit a crime and he Mm -hmm. has a moral disagreement with that and he says that's not freedom that's fear yeah uh, and has that argument with with nick fury in the footage Hmm. that sounds pretty cool yeah and that's actually uh from what i know about uh what they've been doing with what marvel's been doing with captain america as a character over the last 10 years or so uh they they do have him as somebody who stands for the principles of America. He will sometimes stand up against his own government mm-hmm. and uh, his like superiors that. and stuff. So, yeah, I like the idea of that. Uh, so that's all that was announced for for Marvel. Um, but then suddenly they bring out James Gunn and the entire cast of Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. Which, well, it is nice except for if you're the environment because they're shooting in London. They flew everyone to san diego that day they did the panel they got on a plane and went back to london oh man um but uh this cast is nuts it's um uh i feel like it's chris pratt zoe saldana um i'm missing all kinds of people here i actually have Uh, not been following it michael rooker uh karen gillen who doctor who fans know Mm -hmm. um a guy named Dave Bautista, who this is his first acting role. I think maybe he's a, a wrestler or maybe an MMA guy. Okay. Because he's enormous. Um, and he had one of the other, like, sort of tearjerker moments of the panel, cause, uh, of the of the con for me, because he was... Uh, Chris Hardwick was moderating this one, too, and asked him, you know, how he got the job and talked about never acting before. And and, and James Gunn and, and Kevin Feige, the uh, head of Marvel Entertainment or Marvel Movies or whatever... Uh, you know, would clear like, yeah, this is a huge guy, but um, he got this job because he 
audition for it and he got cat you know there were plenty of other huge guys he got the job because he was able to do the acting part mm-hmm. and so he had this like um uh so he talked about like how how hard he tried to get the job and how he cried you know this is we're talking about a guy who's like six foot seven and just i assume he's playing rocket raccoon i don't know uh, no, he's not. Uh, but like, just all muscles, just an enormous guy talking about it. When he got, you know, he tried really hard when he got the job. He broke down and cried and and talked about how he is so humbled when he goes to work every day and he's just trying to like, you know, to 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 learn from all the other people he's worked with. It was a very emotional mm-hmm. and very humble moment. And it was also just interesting to see him sitting next. This guy is it was enormous, sitting next to and not literally but figuratively looking up to zoe saldana who is the tiniest person in the world yeah. uh so that was super cool and they sh- they've been shooting for two weeks and yet they had a bunch of footage wow cut together uh, they must have i know marvel likes to do big things at comic-con so they must have done some stuff with comic-con in mind because they had shots with uh groot and what is it rocket rocky raccoon rocket raccoon rocket raccoon that were that seemed to be fully rendered, so they must have started some effect shots early just to have something at Comic Con. Yeah, because um, there's a shot with like uh, the raccoon. I keep forgetting his name. Sitting on top of like Star Lord's shoulders with like two guns and like firing. But the um, the premise of the footage was that the Guardians of the Galaxy had been arrested, and either by some sort of space police or space military. And so the um, the one military guy is telling like running down the dossier to the other military guys. So that's how you're meeting them. And the two military guys, the main one are played by John C. Riley and Peter Serafinowicz. Um, who's well, a I, British I never, comedian. I never remember. Her. Oh, uh, okay, he's yes. the other roommate in Shaun of the dead. Got it. Um, and so it's John C. Riley is doing like the whole talk. He's like the narrator of the whole thing. Um, and it's super funny stuff. And then it ends in, and then he's like, they call themselves the guardians of the galaxy. And Seraphim was like, what a bunch of a holes. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a very James Gunn exchange. Yeah, yeah. Um and so it seems like the way that they're getting around the weirdness of like, yeah, it's a talking raccoon and a talking tree and all this stuff is that they're really playing up that it's a comedy. Yeah. And uh James Gunn is good at that. And oh, yeah. uh so I'm looking forward to it. Being uh, being comedic while also maintaining the stakes of the story is something that he's particularly good at. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, the, you know, again, that's not it. Like Kevin Feige's like, oh, there's one more. You know, literally, like we thought it was it. Like they were bringing the lights up. Like and then Kevin Feige's like, oh, sorry, one more thing. <laughs> Someone else here, and so he brings out Joss Whedon, who obviously he's a comic kind of every year. We know he's yeah. there. Uh, but he's like, he says, you know, I don't have anything to say, but I have one thing to add. Now this doesn't mean anything to me because I don't follow Marvel comics, okay. especially this is from when I understand fairly recent Marvel comics. Okay, but it's just a, a teaser. Um, that's all you know just some cg footage it's not there's obviously they haven't shot anything yet yeah. uh but it starts off with like the 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 iron man mask <clears throat> and then like the like bolts get put in and it starts to like change shape and then it changes into a different mask which i understand i've come to understand since is the mask of a person named ultron and so it, yes okay and then it says avengers 2 age of ultron Age of Ultron, not yeah. Age of Voltron. Okay. Age of Ultron. And then that was it, and then everyone left. Um, Were people really excited about that? Oh, yeah. People went nuts. And then that, that's now that's the speculation is that Vin Diesel will be playing Ultron. Oh, okay. 
makes sense. Ultron's a robot. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, and is one of the big Avengers villains. Okay. Uh, and is uh, it's odd to build a whole a whole movie around him. Well, what about what about, aren't they supposed to do something with Thanos? In theory, that now that's a, Ultron is one of their big villains, and he's a fairly indestructible and all that, and you know people really enjoy the character, but uh, compared to Thanos, who has fought and defeated like everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like that's and maybe they they maybe that's for Avengers 3 like they want to really build right. up to something as big as that. Uh and then that's it. Uh you know that night I um had dinner with our friend Ian Brill. Oh okay. And then I went to the slash film meetup where I hung out again with Ryan and Angie and then I haven't mentioned uh, another person I spent a long time hang- a lot of time hanging out with this weekend which is Aaron Newworth from uh uh from Why So Blue which I always want to call Am I Blue? But that's a Billy Billy Holiday song. Yeah. Why so blue is a website that reviews Blu-rays and <laughs> movies. Uh, so I hung out with Aaron a bunch, and so uh, we were all at the uh, Slashville meetup. I got to talk to, as happens every year at the Slashville meetup, I get to talk to Peter Serretta very briefly because everyone at the Slashville meetup wants to talk to Peter Serretta. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, got to say hi to Peter. Got to hang out with all these people. It was a great end to the convention. I decided not to try and get up for breaking bad because i did kind of like cut loose a little bit with the uh with the alcohol at the uh I, this was like my least drunk comic-con maybe ever mm-hmm. um but i did saturday night at the slash on meetup decide to go ahead and just give in and have a bunch of beers uh so i decided like i'm just gonna sleep in not gonna try and get up for breaking bad but um yeah i got up on sunday i did some some shopping uh, I went to the fulfillment room where I picked up all the free stuff that I was able to get, um, including a, a cool Wolverine t- t-shirt. Uh, and then I had uh, lunch with our friend Dave Amiot, um, oh, nice. who was cosplaying as Dick Tracy. Yeah, I, I saw photos of him. So I got to eat fish tacos and drink beer with Dick Tracy. <laughs> yeah. And then I got on the train. Here, you're going to be mad at me. <laughs> I got on the train where, okay, I missed my train. Okay. Uh, the four o'clock train. There's a train at six fifteen, and then they told me the only way you, you know the next train's not till nine twenty. You can't get on the six fifteen. And I was like, holy fuck, I'm not gonna get on until the middle of the night. I gotta be at work tomorrow. Uh, but then they're like, oh, there's one seat on the six fifteen if you're willing to pay the twenty bucks for uh, business class. <laughs> Why are you mad at me? Nothing. You don't even it's know who just, it is yet. Uh, no, I don't. But it's literally like uh, the stars are aligning so that uh, you wind up right next to this person. But here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever been in business class on an Amtrak. Mm-mm. There's the seats like you think of, like two seats next to each other. Yeah. But then there are also like the table seats where it's four in a group. Oh, okay. And so here's the rub. I sat next to someone, but he was also there with two of his friends at the table, okay. and they were talking the whole time. And so I didn't feel comfortable like saying... So basically there were four people there. There were three people there, and an em- there was the one empty seat on the entire and business that, class. And there's you. Yeah. And so okay. I didn't like I didn't feel comfortable saying like... Um, yeah, you two that I've never heard of before, you shut up for a second while yeah, I talk yeah. to Paul Dini. Oh, damn. I know, right? Oh, damn. <laughs> you know, uh, so I sat next to Paul Dini shit. the whole way home and was like, I was like, maybe I'll just like mention him right now on Twitter and see if he like, cause I know he's on Twitter. I'm not. Okay. All right. Damn. That would have been good though. Yeah. And if it had just been, I mean, he is responsible. First off. He created Harley Quinn. Uh-huh. There was no character named Harley Quinn until Batman the Animated Series, which 
And of course, that whole series, as listeners probably know, is, in my view, the best representation of Batman ever. And then he also is responsible for the Arkham games, uh-huh. which are themselves pretty amazing. Yeah, that one would have been pretty neat. And again, if it had just been the two of us there, no, there's no question I would about have. It. But, it, but, but you got to interrupt. It's just like, hey, I know you're having a good time with your buddies, but my name is David Baggs. I, host <laughs> right. a pod- like, it, I get it. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I was like, um, but I, I actually, I texted some other friends, not like other friends that I knew who knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I'm sitting next to Paul Dini. And they're like, awesome, whatever. And then I was like, I even started texting you and I was like, A, I kind of want to say this for the podcast. It'd be, he'll you just be more to, tortured. You don't want me to, me to pressure you. He'll, yeah, he'll just be more tortured if he knows that I'm actually sitting next to him and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. So I decided to wait and surprise you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> you know what would have been a better surprise was, hey, I got guess, what, <laughs> guess who I got to talk to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I no, it's, it's fine. So, so you didn't really do anything on Sunday. I, I didn't do any panels, but I walked okay. around, I shopped, I had, okay. you know, lunch and a, and a beer with, with Dave. It was a very good Sunday. Okay. I mean, there was a lot of TV stuff on Sunday. In Hall H, I would have had to get up early. That's true. I, I, I'm not yet ready to think of, um, like, Comic-Con, I know it's five days, but it's like, Wednesday is like my introduction Sunday is like my cooling off day, and there's really three days of panels for me. So, uh, so Sunday I'm, is kind of a falling action. I, I've found, like at WonderCon and at Comic-Con, yeah. Sunday is when it's just like, all right, I'm going to take in the atmosphere one last time, and then I'm yeah. going to go. So I'm not yet ready to um, treat Sunday as another day of panels. Like, that's I have to get there mentally. It would be weird to like do a panel, and then the panel's over at 5 o'clock, and the convention is now over. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay. Yeah, I like I like getting out of there while the convention is still going on. Uh, in the same way that I don't like to stay to stay at Disneyland right up to closing. Right. I like to leave beforehand because that way in my mind I can say it's always open. It never <laughs> closes. And yet I, well, I do always stay at the end of a baseball game. I don't know. Oh, yeah, me too. That. No question about it. Of course, in Los Angeles, the only way to like, – Los Angeles is the only place where you beat the crowd – by staying to the end of the baseball oh, game. Oh, no question about <laughs> it. Because everyone leaves like halfway through the and sixth I inning. I don't get it. <laughs> so stupid. It's just like, first off, these tickets weren't cheap. And yeah. also, c- come on. Like, yeah. Don't, like, I'm not even a sports guy, and I would feel weird not staying to the end. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. All right. Everybody's dumb but us, David. So, yeah, I agree. So, I hope you enjoyed this Comic-Con wrap-up. I hope it was more entertaining than my admittedly kind of dry maybe uh daily wrap-ups that i did you know because i was just trying to get everything out uh yeah, yeah. before i went to bed you know um maybe i'll try and do those in a different way next year um so i hope you enjoyed this uh if you if you did you can email me and tell me so at david at uh you can also find uh i I'm, i broke up the order here but you can yeah. uh you can find uh, all sorts of movie reviews and, and links to other uh, podcasts and stuff at battleshipretention.com. You can email Tyler at Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. And you can find my other podcast, Hey Watch This, with uh, Paul Goebel, uh, um, also at battleshipretention.com. This week, we will be talking about the... Uh, season premiere of uh, Children's Hospital, and then Paul is making me watch Big Brother. 
<laughs> which I'm not happy about. Like I never Especially, thought about it. I've never seen it, but that's my. I do know that this season there's a lot of shitty racism. Oh, okay. See, I don't even follow that because I didn't even realize until Paul said Big Brother that I did, it was subconsciously a point of pride for me that I had never seen a single second of, of Big Brother. Uh, American, UK, any of them. I've never, ever watched Big Brother. Yeah. Uh, and so now I have to... I, it's sitting at home on my D- DVR. He gave me the choice of either the Wednesday or the Thursday episode because there's multiple ones a week. Um, so I chose the Wednesday one. I don't know what the difference is. Yeah. I, I literally have. I don't know what goes on there. There, there are times when because it's just like all right, there's because I'll watch because there's two seasons of Survivor in one year, and then they take the, then the summer is off. Yeah, and so part of me is like, eh, maybe I'll watch Big Brother during the summer, and uh, still haven't gotten there. Still mm. haven't uh, been able to flip myself over because it just it. it, it from what I hear, there's a tr- there's a real trashy quality to it that I feel like Survivor and Survivor can be trashy, mm-hmm. but from what it sounds like, Big Brother just it really is kind of gross in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And of course, this season there's a lot of weird racist stuff going on. So great, en- enjoy that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'll watch that before Children's Hospital, so the Children's Hospital will be like a uh, uh, palate cleanser. I guess. Hey, the next full up, ep- the next official episode of More Than One Lesson, we're going to be discussing Eat, Pray, Love. So we all have our things. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Yeah. All right. So thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.